Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Batter Round, coming to you live from our new Towson Studios here in Maryland. It is a beautiful and crisp Saturday morning here on September 10th. Uh, 2022, the year of our Lord. Today's show is brought to you by... (laughs) Yeah, Zach, give me a weird look. The year of our Lord. I don't know. People say that stuff. Um, Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook and Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screen, and watch all all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Zach. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? The year of our Lord. The year of our Lord. (laughs) I don't know what that means. People say that. Really? People say it. I know people, and we didn't close the damn door again. Ah, this is every week. I got it. That that one was on me. I was the last one in and out of that door, so uh, that one's on me. My apologies. But look, uh, the Orioles, they go on last night to beat the Boston Red Sox 3-2 after a very, very disappointing series against the Toronto Blue Jays. I can't remember in the last several years. There's people doing yard work outside, yeah, so that's it's nice. Pleasant. Um, I can't remember in the last several years a more meaningful, hyped up day than the doubleheader on Monday. And the Orioles lead a big old fat old egg uh, on Monday. They got swept in the doubleheader. They weren't, I guess they were competitive in game one. Um,. But, I mean, they lost game one, seven to three. They lost game two, eight to four. Funny thing about that series is the team that scored first in all four games lost in that series. And for the Orioles, after the first inning on Wednesday, so they got two hits off of Alec Manoa um, and a run in the first inning on Wednesday night. And then they got one hit the rest of the game. Right. And Adley Rutschman double in like the eighth inning. Yeah. They got one hit the rest of the game. The, the last night, the Orioles had five hits, but th- th- that's that's kind of misleading. Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson had five hits. Right. The other seven guys in the order, a big old ofer. Right. This offense is not good right now. It's, it's I, I, don't, I wanted to use the word sputtering, but I don't think that's a good, really, description of it, because right. it's a lot more than that. It's basically not doing anything at the moment. That's the best way to put it. They have been struggling for way too long, and there's been so many guys really up and down the order that are that are struggling right now. I mean, we saw it with Austin Hayes and, uh, and Ryan Malcastle, and those are two guys that we've talked about for weeks now that have been really struggling at the plate, but there's a lot more going on than just them. It's it, it's not just them. It's it's you know a lot of people in the lineup right now, not really including guys like Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Cedric Mullins. They've been a little bit hotter. Ramona Rios hasn't played awful as of late either, but man, guys like Rugnet Adore have been struggling, and I, I guess they're somewhat predictable, but it's, it's still, it's it, you got to get it going. Right now, it's September, and you got to get it going. Well, the, the, the big issue for the Orioles... And- and is now you have guys that you can play where you can't really excuse playing the the dudes that are struggling as mightily as oh I, I I agree yeah um and you look at Ruth Neto Door mm-hmm. he's actually hitting two forty since his if, two it, run, if, since, if you consider that a win since his two run homer against the Blue Jays back at the beginning of August mm-hmm. 
He's hitting 240 since then. I was looking it up last night. Uh, but two. 240 is like all star <laughs> for Roof Neto. Dorn. Yeah, I, guess I mean it his is. Ba- his batting average is back down to 200 mm-hmm. right now after his performance last night. Austin Hayes has been. If Austin Hayes were a rookie, mm-hmm. he'd be in the minors. Oh, 100. Yeah. He'd, he'd yeah. be in the minors. No there's no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, there, the, we keep waiting for him to hit his way out of this. Yeah, it's not going to happen, folks. It's it, a. I think he's hurt. I think he's been. I think he's dealing. I think his. His hand from getting spiked mm-hmm. and from being hit on the wrist like three times. Yeah, I think he's playing hurt. I but mean, there's got to be something going on. You're looking at that game the other day um, when the Orioles scored five runs in the third inning. It was the game. It was Tuesday. They scored five runs in the third inning against the Blue Jays um, to erase a three nothing deficit, and they're rallying, rallying, rallying. And after like five straight guys reach base, Austin Hayes comes up and pops out on the first pitch. Yeah. Kills the rally. Uh, this team, by the way, hits more infield pop-ups than any team I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. L- l- it's it, Roof Neto Door, every bat I've seen all, all this entire week has been a pop-out to second or short. Mm-hmm. That's all he does. Yeah. Uh, uh, you... So, everybody... Okay, let's get into this. Okay. So, on social media last night, I said... You're at a point now where you can't justify playing Hayes no door every single day. You have guys in Henderson and Stowers uh, and the way Arias is playing, yeah. um, especially defensively, where you don't need to play Odor and Hayes every day. Yet, yet Hyde still does. Right. And I understand why, right? Because Odor has been the veteran. He's been he's the vibes. The clubhouse guy. Yeah, he's, he's the clubhouse guy, and he loves the way he turns a double play. Sure. Uh, okay, well... How many double plays do you need in a game? How many double you need double plays? But how many double plays do you turn in a game a, 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 on a great day? Four. Well, I think the bigger question is how many can Odor turn that another second baseman couldn't? Right. We act like we act like no other second baseman is right. capable of catching a feed and making a strong throw to first base. I I think it's it's somewhat. I know that all of the the Orioles broadcasters have really talked about how good Rugnet Odor is at that, and I. And they say it a lot, and I think that's maybe part of the narrative, is that you know a lot of people hear it on TV, and that's become a thing that, man, Odor is the best at turning double plays. That's what he's here for. But again, four, maybe, is the most and, in a game. Right. So it's, and, and it's usually more like one or two. Right, and, and how many is he going to actually turn that another guy couldn't? I think there are perfectly capable people in this team that can make the same play every time. I mean, sure, maybe one or two throughout the entire year, maybe a little bit more than that that other people couldn't have done, but Odor is not that excellent of a defender that he's doing things that other people can't do. And... I don't when 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 the broadcast and, and, and I love the broadcasters. Oh yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, but when the broadcasters say it during the game, yeah, it's not an original thought. My point, Brand, my, Brand, my, no, Brandon Hyde said it he, okay, in, in, yeah, a, in a yeah. press conference. So right, and I think that fostered the narrative. Exactly. I think that's where it came from. That's He's, why people talk about it as much as they do. Right, he said it in a press conference, and yeah. now people have taken that and they've run with it. Right, and it's like, oh, he turns a great double play. Yeah, I, so does. Every other second baseman yeah. worth their salt in Major I, League I Baseball. haven't seen that many screwed up. I mean, Gunnar Henderson had the one this week, but that was short where he bobbled the ball, and they were only ended up getting one out of it. But 
No, he no, he was playing second base. Was he playing second base? The, the, okay. the, the two, the, I think the, the, the two correct. that he yeah. popped, yeah. he, he was playing second. But base. you know, and, and and it happens every once in a while again. But I like you said, anybody worth their salt, anybody can play in the major leagues alone. I mean, that's they're going to be able to turn a double play. If you're right. if you're a major league second baseman, you can turn a double play. Maybe Rugnodador does it slightly better than you, but I don't think that's a reason to play a guy. That's certainly not a reason to play a guy. Uh, and then. Uh, the the gripes with Odor have been well documented on this show mm-hmm. and on the other shows that I've done uh, all season. Um, that's nothing new. Austin Hayes, I said this last night, and people, I said you can't justify playing him. Yeah, and people said I beg to differ, and a slap in the face type of meme, and and and, <laughs> and or GIF, I mean, and so it's. Let me ask you something. Okay, Austin Hayes. Are you really willing to focus on the hot two months, the two and a half months he had at the beginning of the season, and say that's who he is, or well, or are you focusing on the two and a half months since then where yeah. he's been awful? Well, I think it's fair to say both of us love Austin Hayes. We're rooting yeah. for Austin Hayes, and he's a guy who's shown us in the past he's much more than what he is right now. He's much more than that. But I think you know when you're in a playoff race, if this was any other year, I'd say. Keep playing Austin Hayes. It's fine. He's going to break out of it at some point. But this is a year where the Orioles are in a legitimate playoff race. For the first time since 2017, they are in a legitimate playoff race. So to keep playing a guy who's struggling as mightily as he has, I think it's more of a what have you done for me lately than what have you done for me throughout the entire season. You've got to look at it um, more individually as far as these months go than over the the broader span of the year, right? right. You've got to look at it with a, a more narrowed focus because this is a playoff race, and you want to get the best guys in the lineup. And I know Kyle Stowers hasn't exactly been lighting it up either, yeah, but how, he's how, okay. How could he? He's know? not playing a ton he's either. He's not getting the right. opportunity. Right. And I think if he does get more opportunity, he'll probably you know start to play a little better. But I think with Kyle Stowers, you know, you get a little bit of the the unproven. You don't know. And maybe that's a good thing for them. You know, maybe Kyle Stowers provides a spark because you don't exactly know what you're going to get. And Austin Hayes, you probably know at this point what you're getting for the rest of September. And that's unfortunate because September's usually been his month. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at his, his career numbers, he's always the best in September. And uh, personally, I've been waiting for him to break out and have a game. And then we're, we go, there's Austin, you know, there's Austin Hayes in September, but he hasn't done it yet. He just yeah. hasn't. Every at-bat is either a strikeout or a pop-out. Yeah. He's not close. And no. he does this thing... Where on his on his pop outs and his flyouts, mm-hmm. where he hops out of the box like he just got a base hit, <laughs> but the ball goes straight up in the air yeah. and it lands in a fielder's glove. Yeah. I don't understand that. It, like I can't tell you how many times I was fooled. Like oh maybe that was actually a better hit than it looked like off the bat, and then right. I see it looking like what I thought it was. One gripe I've had with Hayes for years is is the check swings. There's so many check swings, and mm-hmm. he started to. to work on that a little bit I think this year and it's been a little bit different but man I mean Austin Hayes is the, the discipline is just not there it's non-existent mm-hmm. and it's it's it, hard to watch because he just you know he doesn't really recognize any of these pitches no matter what it is he's not recognizing it and he's swinging through and it's just it's it's a struggle right now and I wonder if launch angle has something to do with all the pop-ups you know maybe trying to get a little more launch angle in a swing and, and launch the ball a little higher maybe that has something to do with it but that's one thing I've noticed I think he just has he he doesn't know where the barrel is he doesn't right no, now no. I, I I think that he's just struggling so much that he's trying to hit a grand slam on every swing yeah and that's that's getting in his way he's not really staying with himself not trying to go straight back up the box he's just I, I need a hit. I need a hit. I need a hit. I got to yeah. contribute. You know, and I, I and I know that probably more than half of this is 
beyond the fi- is beyond the physical limitations. It's a mental thing. Sure, I did. It has with, to be with, yeah. with him. You know, he's better than what he's done the last right. two and a half months, and we can know that, and know that this isn't the real Austin Hayes, but yeah. also say. You can't play right now. Right. You got to figure this out. You can't play and be in the lineup every day in a playoff race if you're hitting below 200 since the end right. of June. Uh, we, you can't do it. It's rough. And it's not. I don't know. Maybe he does have the same vibes that, that Odor does, but you can't have two of those guys in your lineup. I and mean, this is something we talked about all year. Whether it was uh, Odor, Nevin, and Chirinos playing. Yeah. You know, it, we've talked about it all year. You can't have. You shouldn't have any of those guys, let alone two in your lineup that are automatic outs. Well, again, and, and you're past the point in this rebuild, and if you want to even call it that at this point, you're past the point of playing guys just to play them. Mm-hmm. You're playing guys to win right now. You're playing guys to, who are the best possible options at all possible moments. You're not playing guys because you want to get them in the lineup. Um, and that's been, I think, one of our gripes with Brandon Hyde, that he's put guys in because he wants to put them in and wants to see them there. But frankly, the the fact is is that he needs to be putting in the guys that are going to win them the most ball games, and I think he started to do that over the last you know stretch of games or so. But you look at Austin Hayes, and he's still been in the lineup way too often, and it's just it's a struggle. And hopefully, he figures it out. I'm rooting for the guy. Um, I, we may see him get moved for this offseason. I think we're going to talk about that a little later, but yeah. it's it's definitely a possibility with the way he's played. Yeah, uh, look, uh, like you said, we love Austin Hayes. Yeah. When Austin Hayes is right, mm-hmm. he's damn good. Yeah, he's not right. It's it's been it's been clear for a good while yeah. now that that, he, that he's not right. So, uh, and, and look, guys. Here here's the other thing. I'll, I'll say I love players. I love players when they're playing well for the Orioles, and that sounds that sounds unfair, right? But if you're in a two and a half month stretch of hitting below two hundred and showing no no power, no offensive production, I still like you. I still think you can. You have the potential to be a good player. But I don't need to see you in the lineup. Uh, to me, when I right. watch you come up, and if if I watch you come up and I feel, oh god, here's an automatic <laughs> out, it's not a personal thing. No, you're not helping the team win. So it's not that I don't like you. It's you're not helping the team win, and that's that's what I look at. Somehow, Rufnet Odor has managed to take 12 key hits this year and make that yeah. last an entire season. But he's, he's a fan favorite. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah, man. but he is. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, not a fan favorite situation that happened the other day. <laughs> no, was um, Tyler Wells and Dean Kramer, and uh, yeah. we we love Tyler Wells, we love De- Dean Kramer, and they both have pitched very well for the Orioles this year. Mm-hmm. Wells has made Wells made one rehab start coming back from this injury in the minors, and then and they call him up to start the game on Wednesday and move um, as an opener and move Dean Kramer into a bullpen role. Yeah. Dean Kramer, the previous six starts, averaged over six runs and then over six starts in a game and had an ERA of about 2-6. Yeah. His last start against the Blue Jays uh, at the in the middle of August, he went seven innings, he gave up two runs in the first inning, and then nothing else. Yeah. And then Tyler Wells gets the start on Wednesday. And I understand wanting your best pitchers available to you. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I understand that Tyler Wells has been on a starter's r- routine this year. But so is Dean Kramer. Yeah. And Dean Kramer's been here pitching well, with the exception of, of July. Yeah. He's been here pitching well all year, especially the last six starts. And yeah, optimally, the ideal situation is Wells comes out and he gives you 
two, three innings of shutout ball. Then you can bring in Kramer and get five to six innings out of him. You save the bullpen, and you give yourself an opportunity to win the game. It also would be nice if the offense would have more than one that would on, help. On, on three hits. So that it's not really on them. But why... Tyler Wells is a guy who has relief experience here. And they both are on starters routines. And I get that you're not bringing Dean Kramer in until it's a clean inning for him. Why would you not start Kramer and then use Wells in relief? Why would you break that up? That I, seems like the logical it, uh, it, use. It, it, and I, people were justifying it. And I get the justification. But they're both starters. They're both on starters routines. One guy hasn't pitched in a month and a yeah. half and is coming off an injury, yeah. and is still rusty. One guy has been pitching his balls off for six straight starts and dominated the team that you're facing the mm-hmm. last time you faced them. It doesn't make sense to me to not have that guy be the guy that starts the game. Right. And then maybe he gives you nine innings, or maybe he gives you eight innings or seven innings sure. of one to two run ball, and you don't need to use Tyler Wells. That would have been optimal. Right. I, I'm not an opener guy. I've never been an opener I guy. I hate the opener. I, it, I hate it's, it. it's never made a lot of sense to me. And I get that. Well, I guess there is some logic behind it with arm care and that becoming such a big uh, issue across baseball. I talked about that on the show last week. But it, it, it arm care is a big thing. And I get that openers kind of help out with that. But from a logical standpoint, when you look at it as far as wins and losses go, I personally don't think it's a, a very productive thing. And especially with a guy who has really only pitched once uh, since you know, returning from his injury. So Tyler Wells is a very good pitcher at his best. But what Brandon Hyde should have realized is that Tyler Wells was not going to be at his best and clearly wasn't at all at his best. Um, I mean, he was he was fine, but he certainly wasn't what he was when he was pitching to the 3-9 ERA um, at, the, at the start of the season. He was the Orioles' best starter. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a lot of the metrics, there are some metrics to say he is some of the best pitches in baseball. And I don't think he's quite back to that quite yet, but I'm sure he will be. And that's why I've kept saying when we talk about Tyler Wells in the show, let's ease him back in. I don't think letting him start is is at all easing him back in. That's throwing him right into the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also a little disrespectful to Dean Kramer, you know, based on the I, way that's, he's. Uh, I thought so. That's too. what you're saying too, right? And I think based on the way he's pitched, he's earned a spot. He's not a follower. This is this is a guy who can give you six innings on command. Mm-hmm. He's done it. So why not let him do it again, right? Like I I look at it as give Dean Kramer the first six, let him go. Hopefully, he gives you you know three run ball or less, and then you bring in Wells. Give him the seventh. That's fine. And then you have your back-end relievers for the eighth and ninth if you're winning. To me, that makes a lot more logical sense than what they did. Openers, never the answer in my opinion. They're, they're just never the and, move. And I just don't know how you can look at it and say, Tyler Wells hasn't pitched since, what, the end of July, beginning of August. Um, yeah. He has one rehab start. Mm-hmm. He's ready. Let's, 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 someone let's, made someone made a comment that said Tyler Wells might have started because of some computer algorithm telling them that was the right move. I would not doubt that at all. That's a that's a probably pretty decent idea of what happened. Like they they liked the matchup or something, and the computer said that that was the the right move to to open with him and then use Dean Kramer in relief. I don't know, not my thing personally. God, man, I hate that. <laughs> uh, like, look, there's there's a place for everything, right? And and I get that analytics. And all that stuff has helped with yeah. the Orioles pitching this year. I get that. Sometimes you just got to put that aside and say, this is where we are. This is These are people, right? These are people. And just because it says that this is a likely outcome, yeah. these are still human beings 
that are fallible. Right. Uh, it, you will never convince me that a starting pitcher who is new to starting at the big league level, who doesn't have a ton of experience, who got injured, was only given you was was rarely giving you more than four or five innings to start to begin with. Now you're going to tell me he's been injured for six weeks. He comes back after one rehab start, and he's he's back to where he was. No, come on, come on. Right. He 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 needed a, another ramp up, and and again, I don't think you can expect him to be. And, and that's that, that's that's and, the problem. And, and that's the thing. If if, if there was a, a computer algorithm that said, "Well, this is yeah," are, are they factoring in that Tyler Wells hasn't pitched in six free? I almost said I almost said the f word. That Tyler Wells hasn't <laughs> hasn't pitched in six freaking weeks. The, the, whatever. To me, it's it's disrespectful to Dean Kramer. It's cutting your nose off to spite your face. That's a game you need to win. Yeah, it's a game you need to win because these other these teams in front of you aren't losing. The Rays won last night. The Blue Jays won last night. Yeah. The Mariners lost, but it feels like that's their first loss in three months, right? Yeah. Like, like these teams in front of you aren't giving you anything. Yeah. So when there's an opportunity for you to take something, you have to take it. Right. And I'll tell you that on Tuesday, that went on Tuesday, Brandon Hyde put on a master class he did. of managing. He absolutely He did. was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. My problem is, why has he not been doing that for the last month? Why has he not been managing like that for the last month? And I'm not saying bring in Dean, Dylan, Dylan Tate in the fourth inning when, you, when you're down 3 nothing <laughs> every time it happens. But why not the tenacity and the fire to say, we need this win? Why not every single day manage like that? And that's, my, that's been my biggest issue. My biggest issue with they've lost 11 straight day games. Because of the lineups that he puts out. Well, I think that's our same argument with, with the, the whole Hayes thing, is that you're putting him in the lineup, yet he's not hitting. Right. So it, are you really putting your best foot forward? You're not. And you got to stop. I, I know. You have to come into a, a, a clubhouse every single day and look each one of your players in the, in the eye and, and explain your moves one, one way or the other. And that sucks, man. But that's the job. This isn't, this isn't, oh, I'm going to hang out with my friends. This is a freaking, I almost said the F word again. This is a freaking business. Getting fired up. This is a business, and you're in the business of winning baseball games. You're not in the business anymore of evaluating talent at the major league level to see if they could be a piece in the future. The future is here. You have to manage like your hair is on fire. And I'm not qualified. I guess, <laughs> but I know a little bit, a little bit about baseball, and I know a little bit about being competitive in nature. One of my biggest flaws is I'm overly competitive. Yeah. That's why when I see what's happening, when I see Brandon Hyde, and, and I see the capability of him to manage, like it's a playoff atmosphere to win a game, right. and he's not doing that every single game down the stretch. When you're in a playoff race, I get mad because what he did on Tuesday is how he should be managing every single day the rest of the year and the weeks before that. Moving on. <laughs> Grayson Rodriguez is making his third rehab start on Sunday. Yes. The results have been, eh, okay. Um, still rusty. Let's throw him in to start instead of, instead of uh, Kyle Bradish. Use him as an opener. Right. <laughs> um, do you think after Sunday we see him in Baltimore? I think what I think and what I hope are two different things. I hope not. 
I, I don't want to see Grayson Rodriguez in Baltimore this year because I really want. Yeah, I, I just want to take this as carefully as possible. You know, it's such an important person in this rebuild. He is almost, I, I would say in the, in the minors from the people that are left, he is the most important person right now. He is the number one guy that's going to make the difference on this team in the coming three or four years. I want to keep that guy as healthy as I possibly can, and I want to keep that guy as confident as I possibly can. If we, if if the Orioles were, were to bring him in, and you know, give him a few relief appearances, what a few starts, whatever it was, it's not going to be a lot because there's so little time left in the season. Um, and say he got shelled, and he didn't feel 100% healthy, and mm-hmm. there were some things going on. That does a lot to a player's mental state. So I, for me, I think it's best just to let him keep rehabbing. Maybe throw him in AAA for the end of the year. I know there's not much time again left there either. But let him make a few more starts. Let him make a few more relief appearances. Whatever you want to do, and just try to keep the guys healthy as possible. Um, overworking him is definitely not the answer, and I don't think they would do that if right. they brought him to Baltimore. But then again, you got to consider that there are 28 players on the roster, and you've got to use all of them at some point. And inevitably he's going to have to be used. So it's probably a little easier just to stash him in AAA and not have him pitch quite as much. But that's kind of where I stand on See, it. See, this is where, where I disagree with you. Okay. Um, not that I necessarily need to see Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. As a fan, I'd love to see him pitch at the major league level, but I want what's best for Grayson Rodriguez. We need to stop thinking that professional... Some of them are. But we need to stop thinking that professional athletes on the broad spectrum are fragile mental cases. These these guys are superior athletes. The mental toughness that you need to get to this level, they're not normal human beings. They're special. It takes a special kind of person to be able to do this. Okay? I look at D.L. Hall. Got knocked around his first start. Knocked around. Comes back his first relief appearance. He gets 3-0-3 down with a big strikeout. His next relief outing gets knocked around by the Blue Jays. They bring him back out uh, yesterday, inning in, third, inning in the third scoreless. These guys have mental tenacity. I, I don't think you need to worry about what you're going to do to his mindset. Because okay. it, the, the, but what, it, what, what about it, the it, arm it, care it, argument? The the arm care is one thing that okay. that that's that's one thing the the but the the mindset to get to this level you have to be you have to have a strong mind you have yeah. to have the most confidence in the world you have to believe in yourself even when other people didn't believe in you Grayson I mean people believed in Grayson Rodriguez his <laughs> yeah, entire life a little bit but Grayson Rodriguez to me if he came to the major league and gave up six runs in the third of an inning it would not change him whatsoever and it might not I think he, not. I think he'd go right back in, in into the lab and be determined to come out and throw six one hit innings his next start I guess my broader point is and I know we do need to get sand on the phone here but my broader point is that do you want 95% of Grayson Rodriguez or 100% of Grayson Rodriguez? 95% of Grayson Rodriguez is better than probably 95% of the pitchers possibly, on your roster. Possibly, though. And, and, eventually, right? Yeah. But right. but and are you saying 95% of, of, of Grayson Rodriguez, they're not going to... He, he wouldn't be pitching in the minors if he wasn't at 100%. Well, I, he's probably still building up, though. I can't well, imagine he's, he's he, he's he building he, he, he's building up, but physically, mm-hmm. his arm sure yes it, is is at a hundred percent. He wouldn't be pitching if it wasn't. Yeah, right. But they're building him up to keep his arm at a hundred at a hundred percent. 
being at 100% doesn't mean, oh, I can go out. I, well, I can go out there and throw 95 pitches tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It means, can I give it everything I've got on a, on a given pitch and not have to worry about my arm falling off? Yeah. And Grayson Rodriguez is that point. Otherwise, he wouldn't be stepping on the mound. So if it's not a mental thing, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. You've got a good point. Uh, these guys are, are tough mental cases. They are mm-hmm. tough. Uh, but I, I do I do worry about you know how the much, physical, how, yes. how much work he'd have to get. And I just I, I want the Orioles to be able to have one hundred percent the best Grayson Rodriguez possible they're, in twenty twenty three. But you also have to re- they're not gonna bring him up to be a, a, a six, seven inning starter this year. If they bring him up, it's gonna be the using like Tyler Wells or like DL Hall. They're not bringing him up to say, hey, go out there and throw me 98 pitches in over six and a third innings. He's coming up to be an opener or a long relief guy or a swing man, something like that. Guys, we've got a great show ahead for you. Stan the Fan Charles is going to be on the line with us here in just a matter of moments at 11 o'clock, and we've been trying so hard to get him on the show, and he's just such a busy guy. But we finally, from The Athletic, have Dan Connolly. He'll join us at 11 for about 15 minutes. We've got Orioles banter, the payoff pitch around the league, and everybody's favorite take to rake, even though we have no idea what the standings are. Intake to rake. We keep saying we're going to figure it out, but we just we just haven't. We will. We will. Uh, we will. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm pretty sure Zach has a commanding lead. I don't think it's by that many. But um, we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out one of these days. Uh, until then, joining us on the line now for his weekly segment, uh, he is Stan the Fan Charles. He has shows for you. We he has multi multiple shows for you weekly. He's live with us now here on the Bat Around. Stan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing very well, very well. Nice to see the Orioles get back into the win column last night, Stan. However, the Orioles have five hits, and they all came from two players, Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins. How concerning has the lack of the Orioles' offense been for you the last few weeks? Well, it's, of course it's concerning. You know, um, the, the one player that really stands out uh, with, a, with a real stench is... Uh, Mr. Hayes, yeah. he's just been absolutely awful. Yeah, we, um, I, 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 I don't see. I, I, I'm, I'm. I have to be honest with you. I've waxed and waned on him mm-hmm. at different points in his career. I told you I used to have him on my fantasy team. Sure. So I clearly saw something that I liked in him. When I traded him last July, he went on a tear and was on that tear for. The second half of July, all of August, all of September, um, and uh, the beginning of this year, the first six, eight weeks, he was a terrific ball player. You know, looked like he was like somebody that was like established, and I, I do not understand what's happened to him. Those at-bats last night were just absolutely pathetic. Uh, all of his at-bats recently said have been absolutely pathetic, and I think, he, honestly, I think yeah. he's playing hurt. I think that he it's on the same hand he got he got spiked sliding in the first base where he had to have stitch his hand stitched up. He's been right. hit on that wrist by a pitch like three different times. I think he's playing hurt and then even if he's even if he's hurt and he's overcompensating for something, then the mental creeps in and you start to think am I ever going to get a big hit again? And I just think for him yeah. it he, yeah. he he needs a reset, but he's in that lineup every single day. It's we yeah. we talked about it at length to start the show. Um, now, Stan, this recent stretch. Of I, few- I've faced, I've I've defended him at times because of some hand injuries, mm-hmm. but hand injuries don't explain the the way he swung swung at pitches last night. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he made Theo look like uh, he was the second coming of Roger Clemens or something like that. You know? Yeah, he's I, I he missed a breaking ball last week, Stan, against Verlander. I he was about two feet away from touching that pitch. He his yeah. swing decisions and his bat to ball ratio just is not good right now. Now, yeah, the, I mean two strikeouts last night, and then I I was watching some of the tennis, and I was watching flipping back and forth, and then I you know I'll, I'll follow it on ESPN so I can keep my score sheet. And so he struck out twice and bounced to the pitcher last night. Mm-hmm. His his just decision making right now, uh, you know. And and if he's playing that hurt, his decision to keep playing is not helping the team at all. Yeah, and at what at some point, and, and we were just Zach and I were just talking about this, and I got pretty heated about it, Stan. At some point, yeah. Brandon Hyde needs to be able to to tell his players that aren't performing. Look, we're in a playoff race. This is not personal. I need somebody in the lineup that can get the job done right now. Maybe you don't use it in those exact yeah. words, but it's his job yeah. to put the best product on the field. And at, at, at times, I feel like he's he's like, well, these guys are my friends, so I want to play them instead of doing what's necessary to go out mm-hmm. and win a ball game. I, I don't think he feels that way, that they're my friends at all. Uh, I, I think he understands what his responsibilities are. Um I just don't know that he thinks he's got better options. And I think the way McKenna's played this year, I'd much rather have McKenna playing than than, uh, Austin Hayes. Why do you feel like we aren't seeing as much of Kyle Stowers? I feel like Kyle Stowers has done a decent job, and he just hasn't been in the lineup all that often. You know, I don't don't know. I haven't haven't seen enough of him to, to say that he warrants more more time right now. I see a lot of swing and missing him right yeah. now. Oh yeah. Uh, clearly, he's got he's got tremendous bat speed, uh, and he's uh, he's plays he plays a little like his pants are on fire too. You know, mm-hmm. um, defensively, he uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not in love with what I'm seeing with him so far. So, uh, you know, to me, McKenna is the is the this the more safe option right now that might provide you a little uptick. Look, we've talked about this for weeks now. The offense took a, a shot when they lost Austin Hayes, and I guess the calculation was we'll get rid of Hayes, we'll get these prospects, and we've got Gunner coming. And Gunner has been, you know, he's been he's been good. He hasn't been yet astoundingly good uh, up to this point, but he's, he's going to be a really fine player. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, look, I'm I'm not worried about the the Orioles' offense in the future because I think that they have more players of the same ilk of of Colton Kowser, like Colton Kowser. I th- I think he's going to be a really good player, and Henderson and Rutschman uh, with more seasoning yep. are going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but do you feel yep. like the that this offense, the way it's going, just kind of makes it even more glaring that they need a legitimate bat in the middle of this order moving forward that maybe isn't in house already? Wow. Uh. It sure it sure looks that way and feels that way, but I don't know if that's where the dollars are going to get spent. Right. You know, right? No, I I, I uh, hear I you just, on that. I, I, yeah, I think they feel. I think they, you know, I think this season caught them a little by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the ten game winning streak that propelled them into being, a, you know, a contending team for a wild card spot. I think it caught them off guard. You know, but I, I, I don't see them going out and getting like, uh, 
Xander Bogarts or so, you know, somebody a, a real bat for the middle of this lineup. I don't see it happening. Yeah, uh, I, I think the, the I think the dollars are going to get spent on pitching, and they I, feel like the answers, the long term answers, are in place right now. Yeah, I mean, I, could they sign? Could they sign a a Trey Mancini or a Trey Mancini like guy for a two year? you know, $22 million deal. Yeah. But I, I don't think you're going to get like one of the main bats that that's in free agency. I don't, I don't see that. Pro- probably not. And the Orioles haven't signed a free agent that wasn't their own free agent. And I, I, I want to say since Al- Albert Bell, a, a, a free agent of that magnitude, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right. well, I mean, Tejada and Javi Lopez and Palmero in that one off season. But aside from that, it yeah. hasn't been, they haven't done it. You know, and that was a long time. Yeah, that's not their that's not their mo. But back then, they didn't even develop players. You know. Yeah. That's now true. the the pipeline is 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 I'm not saying it's overriding with talent right now, but it's it's getting there. You know. Yeah. I but, saw I went to see Grayson Rodriguez pitch the other night, and one of the benefits of that was seeing Kobe Mayo play again healthy. And uh, he didn't do much that night, but the next night he hit a home run. Yeah, you know, his, his bat speed is incredible. Be, yeah. yeah, and he's going to be a good player. It, it may take him a little little while, but he's going to figure it out. He's yeah. going to be a real good player. I think so, too. Now, Stan, just this, t- this time last week, we were talking about how great the Orioles starting rotation has been over the last five or six weeks. And then this week... Austin Vothy goes four innings last night. Wells, now I know it was, it was uh, an opening start. Um, he went two on Wednesday, Bradish three on Tuesday, Aiken two and a third in place of Jordan Lyles on Monday in game two, Mike Ballman five innings in game one. And again, we know that Wells was brought back to be the opener with Kramer in relief. Aiken had to, Aiken had to make that spot start when Lyles uh, showed up to the ballpark sick. But the Orioles haven't gotten st- length out of their starters all week. Do you think that this is more of a hiccup or just a product of the teams that they've been playing? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. <laughs> I am, I'm trying to be as honest as I sure. can. Uh, you know, Glenn and I last Friday were talking sort of about this abundance of starting pitching. And then it's almost like, and where, you know, who... Who were they going to spend the dollars on versus who who was, you know, sort of a, a prospect to not be on the team next year? I mean, Watkins, for for all of what I thought of him coming into this season, he had a stretch of games where it seemed like every game he was not allowing a run for five mm-hmm. or six innings, you know. And now all of a sudden, uh, I I read that he was optioned out. Um, you know, both has not looked. Uh, particularly good his last two starts. Right. But the real head scratcher for me was of, of all the starting pitchers this year that to me r- really look like they have staying power. Uh, I thought Dean Kramer is pretty much number one on my list. Um, <clears throat> and at least I didn't understand the, the move to take Kramer out of, you know, not right. start Kramer the other night. I would have done it exactly the opposite way. Yeah, I, w- I know you. I know you want to get Wells in two or three innings in a game, but I would have pitched Kramer until until at least the sixth inning, and sort of uh, postponed that for a night if Kramer was is is hurling a great game. 
for a game that you had to win to kind of experiment with Tyler Wells as an opener, I, I just I, I I think that that the possibility of putting Kramer off his game was not the right the the right risk to take that night. I didn't like it at all. Stan, from your, from your lips to God's ears, and you said it perfectly to experiment in a game that you need to win. Uh, I hated it yeah. too. I hated it too. Yeah. Kramer's been dominant for his last six starts. The last time he faced yep. the Blue Jays, he gave up two runs over seven innings. And now Tyler Wells, who's made one rehab, and start. that was the game, and and that was the game Manoa was pitching, correct? Right, right, exactly. So you know you're up against the, their true ace is on that staff is him, right? Manoa, he's he's the best pitcher that they have, in my opinion. Right, uh, and to do that, uh, you know, you're taking perhaps your best starter, uh, Dean Kramer, and sort of experimenting with. Uh, let's see if he can come in behind them. You know, be the bulk guy. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I did not. Like I'll be honest with you. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't like the whole, to me, the hole in the pitching staff while Wells has been down. And I'm, this is not a knock against Tyler Wells. It's just the hole, the hole in the staff has been the arm missing in the bullpen, not in the rotation. And I just thought that the whole decision to bring Wells back with three, three and a half weeks in the season and try and use him in a starting capacity, whether it's as an opener or thinking they can ramp him up. I don't know why they wouldn't have said, hey, this is the guy at least for the remainder of this season. We're going to pitch him in the seventh or eighth inning when we need him to hand the ball to Bautista. Stan, where do you think that decision came from? I I really don't know. Uh, You know, I I just think um, for a team that's, fired on mostly all the right cylinders on things, you know, on acquisitions and teaching things. This one really caught me off guard because mm-hmm. it's been the most glaring need that the staff has had for five or six weeks uh, since the trade of, uh, of uh, Jorge Lopez is, hey, we never really replaced Jorge Lopez. And to me, Wells coming back off the IL this late in the year there was no sense in in trying this opener crap. You yeah. know, I would have just simply plugged him in and said, "Hey, this isn't forever. We still see you as a starter, but right now we have a need, and this is the need you you can fulfill." And and seeing what that was like, that's what that's to me what the experiment would have been like. And you already had, you know, the the whole last year watching him as a relief pitcher. Uh, how dominant he could be there. So uh, I thought they took a chance to strengthen the staff uh, for the run, and they sort of threw the whole thing off. Yeah, you know, I, I now in fairness, in, in fairness, the the timing and unfortunateness of uh, Jordan Lyles getting sick the other day was just, uh, you know, it was a nightmare for them. Yeah, no, it was an absolute nightmare for them. They had to use way more pitchers in that doubleheader than I think they, they knew they had they had to use a lot of pitchers regardless. But they had to use yeah. way more than I think than they ever expected. And then and Stan, the result was they lost three of four to Toronto. Do you feel like that put yeah. the, the Orioles behind the eight ball the rest of the way? Because these teams aren't losing in front of them. I mean Seattle I, well, I, I you know, I said to to Zach it feels like they lost for the first time in three months last night. Uh 
right. of the Orioles right. behind the eight well, ball. Seattle, Seattle's schedule is so easy the rest of the year. Uh, from this point on, um, they play these two more games against the Braves. Then they have two, two in San Diego. Their last 20 games are against Oakland, Texas, L.A., and Detroit. Right. So they, they figure to go, seriously, like 16-4. and four. So they're to me, they're the number one wild card team. They I won't, agree. They won't get past. They won't get past Houston. Tampa may may end up winning the division. The Yankees are in a total free fall right now, uh, but we're not getting past Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Tampa's getting refortifications. Um, Franco came back it, last night with three hits. I know, I know. He's back, and uh, Margot came back last week. They got somebody else back too. Uh, Lowe is Lau, Brandon Lau. Is, mm-hmm. uh, is he the Lau or is he the Lowe? He's Lau. I Lau. can't remember. He's Lau. He's Lau. Brandon Lau. Um, anyway, he's back as well, so they're they're refortified. You know, our best chance is a collapse at the best of collapsing Yankee team, which is hard to imagine we'd even be talking that. We're still the Tampa. Tampa has a, a bit tougher schedule than the Orioles have, you know, and uh, – they did what they had to do last night. They need to win five of six, four of six or five of six from Boston. And they need to do the same thing to, to Toronto. We need to win five of six or four of six to be in this thing. You know, we got one really, we got one really tough series, um, you know, against Houston, a four game series against the Astros. But, uh, you know, I I don't see this team suddenly collapsing the right. Orioles. Uh, they got a good they got a good momentum going. Uh, they were due for a little comeuppance, and and uh, Toronto's a good club. Listen, Toronto last night led all night until the bottom of the eighth inning, and Texas tied them up, and then they came back and scored a run in the ninth. Yep. They could have easily they could have easily lost that game. Yeah, no, Tor- Toronto. Of course, Toronto's of course, a good they blew. <clears throat> Of course, they they blew the lead that Ross, uh, Ross Stripling had because uh, he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> Haven't had a win all week. Uh, Unbelievable. No. Um, well, yeah, and also I think Toronto has to play Tampa nine times still. Uh, so th- this could really come down to that final series in in Baltimore, the last three games of the year with Toronto. It's, it's quite po- it's quite po- it's still quite possible that that's the case. You know, look. Uh, the Orioles have had a successful season no matter how this finishes. If they wouldn't win another game this year, this would have been a, uh, you know, um, a remarkably impressive season to me. You know, yeah, no, of course, I don't expect them to lose every game right now. But, you know, the fact that they could, they could finish over 500 is pretty darn remarkable. Given where they were at the end of last year, it absolutely is. From 110 losses to potentially 85 wins around that number, that's, that's yep. it's impressive. It certainly is impressive. Yep. Now, Stan, yep. um, the pitching has been a lot better this year, and that's why the Orioles have been a lot better. And the analytics and moving the wall back, all that has helped. But I think that the defense being night and day from last year has been one of the main culprits for why the Orioles pitching has been so much better. We know about Mateo, we know about Mullins and how well they, they've played defensively. Ramona Rios, uh, he has, and we won't get into the sabermetrics of it all. The, there's a lot of dis, there's a lot of confusing yeah, names. The terminology for gets uh, yeah, yeah. Defensive but, but runs saved and all this stuff. 
they they've played much much better defense. There's yeah. no question about it. Ramona Rios, his from the numbers that he has, would rate as arguably the best defensive third baseman in the American League right now. Ryan Mountcastle to me has been one of the most surprising ones. He's one of the top defensive first basemen in the American League right now. How big is it that the Orioles that the Orioles I remember Mountcastle didn't have a position, and now he's one of the best defensive first basemen in the American League, at least this season. How big is that mm-hmm. for this team now and moving forward? Uh, it's huge. You know, the, the great Oriole teams uh, at any time in their history, you know, the great teams from, say, 66 to, to 1980, uh, 83, that 17-year run, the most consistent thing they had was incredible defense and incredible pitching, you know, and that's, that's still, you know, you need to score runs. There's no question about it, but the teams that give away runs are the teams that are always on the outside looking in, you Mm -hmm. know, and this has been a a remarkable sort of renaissance of Oriole defense this year, you know, and uh, to me, Mateo has really led the way. Uh, Odor has been a terrific pickup this year. As much as I hated the pickup when they made it, uh, didn't see how it fit at all, you know, because I was thinking offense only. But he's been terrific on turning these double plays. Uh, and Mountcastle and Urias uh, have been really, really solid. You know. Yeah, no, th- th- and it brings me to my next question for you. The Orioles, we've talked about their logjam in the outfield and all these great players that they have coming up, but now you look at the infield. You've got Gunnar Henderson, Ramona Rios, and Jorge Mateo already in the majors. Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz in AAA. Connor Norby, Cesar Prieto, and Kobe Mayo in AA. You can't play all these guys. And, you know, next year you have to wonder, is Arias moving back over to second base where he was a plus defender last year and Gunnar's at third base? At the end of the day... None of these guys, not all these guys, can be on your major league roster. Do you in- anticipate some of these guys because they're knocking on the door being traded this off season as part of a package for to supplement the big league roster? Yeah, I would. I would think they're they're getting very close to that time where they they have enough surplus. Um, and and the, the the great thing about Mike and Sig and how they draft is you used to like sort of keep your fingers crossed that Andy McPhail or Dan would, would pick up something impressive in the draft. Right. Uh, I have like the utmost respect that this pipeline, as long as Elias and his team are here, Brad, uh, Brad Siliak, um, uh, I, I think that uh, you just look at every draft as another great opportunity to pour, you know, seven to 10 really good players into your, into your system, you know, that are going to be there. You know, we haven't even really, uh, we, we hardly talk about it because we really don't know all the parameters of who they're signing internationally and all that. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten the first, first benefit yet of something that figures to start to pay off very shortly. You know, right. I'd say in the next two to, in the next two to three years, we're suddenly going to have, it won't be a spigot full running through the pipeline, but we're going to have spitting out a couple kids that really can play and also can be used in deals. So the the strength of the club right now is 
it's quite a, it's really quite remarkable. It really yeah. is. Cesar Prieto was an international signing back in January, Stan, and he has the lowest strikeout rate of any player in the entire organization, majors through minors. Uh, and he, he, I saw him the other. I saw him the other night at Bowie. I I wasn't impressed with Prieto. He, he, you know, he, he I know he's in one base. He's on. He's an on base machine, but I saw a really just terrible play. There was a pop up in the infield. That was clearly the shortstop's ball, and mm-hmm. Prieto that night was playing third base, and it was like he wouldn't listen to the shortstop, and they they excuse my language, they dropped the ball. You know, neither one of them caught the ball. Yeah, it's just absolutely terrible. Yeah, terrible. and that, that's something that Hernandez Hernandez was the shortstop. And that kid's going to be out of the player too. A friend of the show, uh, Eric Garfield, told me that he saw yeah. a little bit of Prieto down when he was, you know, in. Uh, in Sarasota, and the defense was definitely not there. That's kind of the scouting report I've heard on Prieto from him. So um, Eric's yeah. got a really good scouting eye, so I'll take his word for it there. And it, it seems like the defense hasn't been, you know, maybe as advertised with him. But you look at the contact, um, the the knowledge of the strike zone, and I guess Prieto starts to become a little bit of a better prospect when you look at him with that perspective. Yep, 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 yep. Now, yep. Stan, I know that it's a baseball show. Ravens kick off yeah. their season tomorrow. Lamar Jackson not under contract beyond this this year, um, and now the, the, they're tabling negotiations until next off season. Uh, do you think that they ultimately get a deal done with Lamar? And what are your expectations for this season? Uh, I think they ultimately get a deal done with Lamar, provided he takes a step forward uh, in terms of doing some things. You mm-hmm. know decision making and continues to win football games you know yeah it's just an it's a, it's an interesting way this has worked out but it's it's kind of similar to what they did with Flacco you know when they yeah. offered Flacco a certain level deal and Flacco said I think I'm better than that and went out and won a Super Bowl and then they sort of had to pay him you know um, yeah. I think I think there's enough intrigue into whether Lamar can take a team to that next level um, in the playoffs. You know, I mean, I think I think if he wins one more of those playoff games, the ones we're talking about against Tennessee, Buffalo, or the Chargers, I, I think we're not even having this conversation. I think he would have been signed by now. I agree. You know, but I agree. Uh, but the, those playoff games were were sort of mystifying and they expose certain things he has to get better at. You know, there's no question that he's a better player than Deshaun Watson. There's mm-hmm. no question he's a better player than Kyler Murray. And there's uh, Russell Wilson is really a, a terrific, terrific quarterback. Uh, and I don't think Murray and uh, Deshaun Watson are in their uh, you know range. But uh, he's got the unfortunateness of being about 32 years old whereas these other guys are much younger and they're the ones getting the money. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think objectively you take the emotion out of this. They want to see him perform at a higher level and not make mistakes. You know, I get and that. it's interesting. It's interesting that he, um, he, he decided that what he needed to do was bulk up. It's just inter- It's just interesting to me because I wonder if, uh, is he going to settle on saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be more of a, a you know passer in the pocket 
or is he going to still be as elusive and, um, and you know, just incredibly like ballet, like performer, uh, running the football. I, I don't know how that factors into it. You know? Well, I'll, I'll tell but, you that if you look at world-class sprinters, they're all blocked yeah. up. They're, they're all really mm-hmm. cut, really cut up guys. So I, I think that it's okay for him to put on the muscle as long as it's lean muscle mass. I don't think he balked up in the way right. that Chris Davis did. I think he balked up in a very lean way. Right. So. Right. I would, I would hope so. And, and he probably knows why he did that. And maybe mm-hmm. he feels he needs to be a little stronger to withstand some hits. Probably. That he was taking, I would know? imagine that would yeah. be the case. All right, Stan, yep. thank you so yep. much. Enjoy uh, the football games tomorrow, and let's uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday, okay? All right, and don't forget the U.S. Open tomorrow at 4 o'clock. This kid, uh, this has been a real joy this past week watching this kid Carlos Alcaraz uh, play. Uh, he's just been remarkable. Uh, well, we'll be, well, all eyes will be on that after the Ravens take apart the Jets tomorrow. All right, Stan, talk to you uh, next week. So. All right, bye. See you. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan caught up with Baltimore Sports Collectibles' Danny Black, while Stan and Gary previewed the Ravens and the NFL season with former GM and 105.7 The Fan host Vinny Serrato. Find these shows under the Videos tab at Facebook.com slash Sports or at PressBoxOnline.com. Com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday with former Orioles GM Jim Duquette. I uh, just want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by Maryland Five Star. Uh, see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Well, when we come back, Dan Connolly from The Athletic will join us next on The Bataround. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sport. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. Where's Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 105.7 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 20th at Skipjack's Crab Deck in Middle River. It's brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Grill and Maryland Vascular Specialists. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Just want to remind you that the Bat Around is brought to you today by the Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 massive, our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us now from The Athletic, uh, he is Dan Connolly. We've been trying to get Dan on the show for quite a while now, so we're very happy to have him back on the bat around. Dan, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Absolutely, guys. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Dan, let's get right into this. Orioles, they win a ball game last night 3-2. to two. They collect five hits, but all five hits came from Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins. Offense has been struggling mightily um, recently. What do you think is the main culprit for that? Are these guys kind of tiring it out down the stretch, or are they just hitting an unfortunate uh, bump in the road at the wrong time? Well, honestly, they haven't been particularly good all year. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there, there's been you know a couple of the guys have had moments or had spurts. Obviously, Santander has had some spurts. Hayes had spurts early. Mullins goes up and down. Uh, Rutschman's been pretty consistent, specifically with, with his eye and walking um, high on base percentage, although his average isn't particularly high. They really just have not clicked all season. And it, it's hard to, to pinpoint why. You know, 
I, I've talked to several of the, the offensive players about this, and they feel like it's still in them. Like, they, they are better than what they've showed as a collective group and that they can pick it up. But we're in September now, mm-hmm. and maybe this just is what, what they are. You know, they, they have been pretty good as far as getting clutch hits in late in, the, late in games when they have to, but they still left a lot of men on, in scoring position. And, you know, like you said last night, I mean, they were completely perplexed by uh, Bellow's changeup going with his fastball. That combination kept them off. I mean, only Cedric Mullins got hits against them in, in five-plus innings. Right. Now, with uh, with guys like Gunnar Henderson and Stower, and Kyle Stowers now on the roster, Austin Hayes hasn't hit since the end of June, Dan. Let's be, let's be frank here. And right. Ruth Nodor, as much as he has good vibes and turns a good double play, he's batting 200. Um, at what point can... Should Brandon Hyde be able to go to these guys and say, "Hey, you know, this isn't personal, but we need to put somebody else in here." I just feel like Hayes and Odor are playing every day in a playoff race, and at this point, they've become automatic outs. Well, I mean, let, let, let's start with Hayes first of all, and, and I think Stowers could be a good defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, McKenna's a good defensive player, but you take Austin Hayes out of that lineup, and you're taking away a center fielder who's really understood that left field. Um, that is a really important part of this team is the sure. defense that it, it puts together. Um, and taking Hayes out of that, you know, does hurt you some, you know, defensively. Now, obviously, like I said, Stowers we want to see more of. McKenna obviously can play left field. But how much of an upgrade, A, is McKenna offensively? Right. And B, how much of an upgrade is, is Stowers? I mean, people, I think, have put Stowers in the same wave as Henderson and uh, Rutschman because he's new and he's fresh and whatever. But, you know, he strikes out a ton. He has in in the minors. He is so far in the majors. Um, You know, most of his hits have been singles, guys. I mean, let's face it. You know, he he had that huge dramatic home run. I don't think he's had an extra base hit since. Um, So, you know, you're talking about an upgrade. Uh, Listen, Hayes has looked terrible. He has looked completely lost. And I don't know what it is. Obviously, confidence is playing into it. He says he's healthy. um, But he's looked bad. And, and should he be an everyday guy right now? I don't know. But I don't think you take him out of the lineup for good either because I think the upside of him right now in 2022 is better than the upside of the other guys you would replace him with, especially when you throw defensive in there. Um, for me personally, my arrangement for the Orioles, my lineup for the Orioles, most days, five of seven days, if you will, would be Henderson at third base, Urias at second base, and Mateo at short. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see any real reason why you go away from that on a consistent basis. Uh, I don't want to see Henderson at second at this point. I don't think it's fair for a kid who's this young, to who's trying to learn the game at this at this speed, at this level, to put him in a position he's unfamiliar with. I think you put him at third base and leave it go. Maybe you lose a little bit defensively, not having Urias at third, but I think you gain that in second versus the, the unfamiliarity that, um, that Gunnar Henderson has at second base. Uh, I think that people have some – because the season has gone so well, I think people have focused on Rugnet Hodor as the problem. And people want him out of there and it's become a big fan thing that why is Odor playing so much? Odor turns a double play better than anybody else, anybody I've seen in the last maybe eight or ten years at second base. Mm-hmm. The Orioles are based on their defense. It's predicated their pitching is on their defense and turning those double plays. And he has been extraordinary at that. He and Mateo do it well, but he's pretty much can turn it with almost anybody that's at shortstop, and he's had several different partners there. He also, because of the shift the way it is, he also has saved several uh, singles, turned them into outs, 
based on his arm on how deep he plays out in the outfield. Um, you're not going to see a lot of defensive metrics that, that boast him as a good defensive second baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that's because, you know, the, the double play thing is not qualified in, in such. Turning a double play versus not t- turning a double play or, you know, because those become force outs. Those aren't errors or anything of that nature. So, to me, he actually has a purpose on that team several times a week. Does he have to play five, six, seven times? I- I'm not so sure on that. But I think people dismiss him by looking at his batting average and they want the, the best next thing. Um, you know, people have still talking to me about why isn't Taron Vavra playing more? <laughs> well, he was, he's one for the last 22 with 10 strikeouts. I mean, right. you know, but, but he's not Odor, so people want him in there. So I, I think you got to be kind of careful on let's dismiss these guys, these veterans who played here, because we have other options. When in September, you really don't know what those options are. I mean, People would have been clamoring for Henderson at second base until they saw how unfamiliar he was with it, and now that has gone off. Now it's a push for third base or push for DH or whatever. I think Henderson at this point, you put him in to see how, how long he can keep this up offensively before they adjust to him. But I don't think it's a slam dunk to get rid of an Odor or a Hayes for somebody else when you really don't have somebody else that you're that confident in. Right, and I'm not saying you never play him again, but maybe not five to seven days a week. Maybe you have the infield lineup, like you said, of um, uh, Arias at second, Mateo at short, and Henderson at third, five days a week, and then Odor gets mixed in there. There's ways to do it, but I agree defensively those guys help you more than the guys that you have uh, otherwise. Now, without bad— I just don't think you want to—I don't, I don't think you want to— overexpose Henderson necessarily either. Sure. Um, I think that, you know, that sometimes putting him at DH makes a lot of sense just to kind of take that pressure off of him a little bit. I mean, I, I am waiting. He has, he has impressed me so far, but I am waiting for a situation where, you know, where the league adjusts him a little bit because he is such a young hitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see it, we've seen it all the way across the board. We saw, you know, with Bobby Witt, he's the same age. Um, that happened with him. Listen, this kid's unbelievably talented, and I think he's going to be a very, very good player for a long time. But guys go through streaks, and, and at times, I mean, right now, Henderson looks like a viable member of this lineup, and I think he should be. But again, you, you, it's really a balancing act, and the kid's never played in deep in September because he's never had to. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that it's inevitable that the other shoe kind of drops on him right now, and he's gotten off to such a good start. But the league will adjust to him. It, you, like you said, you've seen it everywhere. It, it's likely to happen to him too. But we'll take the good feelings while we uh, while we can get them down. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. now the Orioles, um, they have an influx of talent coming through their system at seemingly every position. You have Henderson, Mateo, Arias, Westberg, Ortiz, Connor Norby, Cesar Prieto, um, Kobe Mayo, and, and Jackson Holiday in the infield. They can't all play in the infield. Mullins, Hayes, Santander, Stowers, Kowser, Kerstad, the list goes on in the outfield. And a lot of these guys, Dan, are knocking on the door without a position to play because there's only so many. Do you think that the Orioles this offseason are going to start trading from this crop of young talent to supplement the big league roster? I would think they'd be more likely to trade from the veterans on this roster than they would the young talent, if you will. Mm-hmm. I think that Anthony Santander's days are probably numbered uh, with the Orioles, despite how well he has played, because he's making money, because he's getting a little bit older. Not old, mind you, but you know he has two more years before free agency. Mm-hmm. I would think that would be more likely <clears throat> a trade of a guy like him um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I think they really do like Mateo at, at shortstop. But I would think that would be more likely than really trading the prospects now. Um, you say they're knocking on the door. But, again, there are warts on, on pretty much everybody you name. Sure. And there's a big difference between having some success at AA and AAA and having some success in the majors. And I feel like, you know, you want to give these guys an opportunity, but you also want to make sure, especially where they are now, you win. And so I'm not sure, like, you know, fans are all super excited about guys like an Ortiz or a Westberg or, or you know, you mentioned Hersad. Um, but, you know, really, you know, the, the question is what value do they have um, until they start showing it on the major league level. And sure. I think that there are, you know, I, I think you got to really kind of balance the height with the reality. And so I think that the strength that the Orioles have at this moment is that they have some outfielders coming up that you will at least try. And you have a guy who has got to be pretty valuable right now in Anthony Santander. And so to me, if you're going to make that move, it would make more sense to do it that way than to trade some of these young prospects until you know which young prospects are going to work and which ones aren't. Sure. And, 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 and look, Dan, we have maybe the most active offseason coming up in, a, in quite a while here in Baltimore. I think it's very evident that the Orioles are probably going to try to add some, some pitching. Um, it also looks evident that they, that they at least need to add a middle-of-the-order middle, middle of the order bat to this lineup. Do you see them dipping their toes in that in the deep end of the pool to try and get one of those big bats? It's going to be a free agent. Do you see them acquiring a bat via free agency? Basically, what I'm asking you in a nutshell is, what is this offseason going to look like for the Orioles? Well, I think the priority has to be pitching, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they have to go out and get themselves a legitimate towards the top of the rotation, if not a top-of-the-rotation guy. I think that balances things so well. Maybe even get two starting pitchers who have experience and have some type of pedigree. That, to me, is, is bigger than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yes, they could absolutely use the bat in the middle of the lineup. I do think it's imperative for them to, to try real hard to do that this year. This all season, it obviously the timetable jumped up a year, at least a year, based on how they played this year and based on how some of their young players have had and some of those surprising guys in both rotation and in the bullpen. But I think they're fooling themselves if they think that this team is the team to unseat the Yankees and the Astros and the Blue Jays and whomever. Um, it has to get better. Mike Elias has said that he will have the fun when his team is ready to get better. Mm-hmm. I believe we all believe that it's ready to get better now. Yeah. So I do think it's a huge offseason. I do think Mike is going to not only just dip the, the toe, I think he's going, he's diving into it this year if he has the financial backing behind him. I still don't think that they get a top guy necessarily because I still think there are some things we know about the wall. We know it's played more of a of hitter's park. But, you know, some of these – some of these teams are going to give either outrageous amount of money or they're a better place to play for a pitcher still, um, or at least that's the, the perception, like the NL West. Because you, you can move the, the fences back, but you can't move the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox out of your division either. So I think there are some better places to pitch, even with the wall. So I think it's going to take either a lot of money or the Orioles might have to second tier it. But the second tier is not bad. And, and I mean, I think that they have to go out and get, like, a better Jordan Lyles. Yeah. Um, that, that to me is imperative. And then, you know, and maybe another Jordan Lyles or Jordan Lyles again and, you know, fill out from there. But I think for this team to be much better, I think you have, you get two starting pitchers, you get a bat somewhere, um, 
and you, you pay some money. And then you hope that there's competition for that rotation and some good players, some guys who have pitched well, start AAA and are ready to come up. Dan, I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in the Aaron Judge basket for this offseason. I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. <laughs> Um, well, I'm, a, I'm afraid you might have an empty basket by the end of the year because I, I, I don't see that one happening. It is such a pipe dream, but I feel like if they're going to add a bat, <laughs> that's the one guy that Mount Baltimore out there can't hold down. So that's that's my at the top of my wish list. Now, just another minute or two here with Dan Conley from The Athletic, and thank you again for taking some time for us. Uh, we saw um, Tyler Wells start on Wednesday with Kramer in relief. I understand why as, having the best, as you want to have the best pitchers in your system on your roster if they're ready to be there. But why would not would they not do it the other way around, especially with the way Kramer's been pitching recently and the fact that the last time he faced the Blue Jays and Alec Manoa, he went seven innings of two-run ball? Well, honestly, I don't have a problem with having Wells start and somebody else coming behind him. Mm-hmm. I do have a problem with that being Kramer. Me too. I, I do think they're, they're smart in that, listen, Tyler Wells has not pitched in relief all year, okay? Right. And... They want him to be a starter, and he is coming off of injury. And it is a difference. We're not playing fantasy baseball here. It is a difference in the mindset of a guy starting versus relief. And if he's starting all season, then you know you don't want to put him into an unfamiliar territory and try to build him up that way because he prepares for that every fifth day. He prepares. He gets his whole routine set and everything else. So I have no problem with them starting and having – uh, Tyler Wells go a couple innings if they indeed feel that he's better than what they have, you know, some other members of the rotation. Sure. That said, again, pitchers are of, you know, are, are very routine based. They, you know, especially starters, they like to know every fifth or sixth day when they're pitching, who they're pitching against, all of that. That routine is exceptionally important. And I don't like the fact that Kramer, who had been really cruising these last, this last month or so, mm-hmm. um, that, that they would not have him start that game. And I wonder about the mentality of it. I mean, I wonder what that says to a guy who has had success and who has had a lot of failure as well to say, hey, we'll put this other guy in, in your spot. Um, Kramer has told us it didn't matter to him at all. And he basically dismissed the question, the, the line of questioning very quickly. Sure. Um, but you do wonder. You do wonder if that affects guys and affects mm-hmm. the mentality of it. And to me, I would have swapped it and had had. It Austin Voth be that guy who comes in the third inning instead of Dean Kramer because I, at this point, think Kramer could be a part of the future uh, for sure and, you know, at least an attempt to be part of the future, and I don't like messing with that at all. Dan, is that a Brandon Hyde thing or a Mike Elias thing or a collaborative thing between the two of them, the decision to do that on Wednesday? Well, I believe it's collaborative in that they were in the – they made the decision. They told the guys that together. Now, whether that comes more from the analytics side of it, it probably does. Cause a lot of these things are made analytically. Um, so my guess is it was branded on board with Mike's decision. I don't know that for sure, but I do know that they both would call it collaborative. Um, but I'm not inside there to know exactly which way that's leaning, but they would call it collaborative and they both were in, I know for sure, because I was there, um, you know, outside in the clubhouse, that they both were in the meeting with Kramer. Gotcha. All right, and then finally, and I know we got to get you out of here, so one quick question. Grayson Rodriguez, he's throwing his third rehab outing on Sunday. Do we see him in Baltimore this year? I think we do, simply because there's no, uh, unlike some of these other guys, like Henderson, uh, he has to be put onto the 40-man roster in the offseason anyway. Mm-hmm. So if they deem him to be ready 
I would imagine that they see him, we see him now simply to give him a little bit of taste before going into next year. And because he has to be added to the 40-man roster anyway, it's not like you're, you're losing that. You have to protect him from the Rule 5 draft this year based on the rules. So I would say yes. Um, I think it could be a situation where if they're out of the line, out of the race, he ends up getting a start um, or, you know, maybe, maybe even two. It all depends on what his progression is. But I would say I would lean towards yes more so than no as far as seeing him in Baltimore this year. And if the Orioles somehow squeak into the playoffs, do you imagine that they would find a loophole to get him onto the roster? It's not really a loophole. I mean, it's, it's set up in a thing. John Means is, was part of the 40-man roster. Um, so was Ellis, and they can replace those guys okay. with people that were in the 40-man roster. So it's not really a, a loophole as long as they were in the organization. Um Prior to August 31st, it's just part of the rules. So I would think, you know, if they feel like he's ready and he is ready to go, yeah, there's a possibility he could be on the playoff roster. Gotcha. Dan, thank you so much for taking some time for us. We certainly appreciate it. We will talk to you down the line. Enjoy the rest of uh, of your weekend. You got it. Take care. All right, see you. Dan Connolly from The Athletic joining us. Always a great segment with Dan. He's got more inside knowledge about the Orioles than just about anybody else covering the team. So really appreciative of him coming on the program. we got to catch our second break. want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. This is The Batter Round. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th or 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. This is the sound of 70,000 Ravens fans cheering a win. And this is the sound of Diane Heil of Annapolis cheering her own Ravens win. Woohoo! Seats for 20 years! Last year, Diane played Maryland Lottery Ravens scratch-offs and won Raven season tickets for 20 years. Look for Raven scratch-offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. You could win up to $100,000 or great Ravens prizes. Take it from Diane. It's surreal and it's exciting and I literally can't wait. Please play responsibly. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Today's show brought to you by, where did I put that? Today's show brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. You can see Olympic athletes in action at the nation's best, uh, as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th to 16th in Cecil County. So get out there uh, when if you have the opportunity on that weekend. And now it is time for the payoff pitch around the league. Cedric Mullins and Gunnar Henderson combined for all five of the Orioles' hits, with Henderson delivering the biggest blow, a two-run single and a three-run sixth inning that gave the O's the lead for good in a 3-2 victory over the Red Sox. Bo Bichette homer tripled and drove in three, but it was Danny Jansen, a Danny Jansen RBI single in the top of the ninth to put Toronto over the top as they defeated Texas 4-3. Wander Franco returned to the lineup for the first time in exactly two months, collecting three hits and two RBIs, as did Randy Arozarena to lead the Rays past the Yankees 4-2. Drew Rasmussen struck out 10 over six shutout innings to mm. pick up the victory. Robbie Grossman collected three hits and two RBIs, and the Red Hot Braves hit four home runs to call off the equally hot Seattle Mariners 6-4, despite a two-homer game from Carlos Santana. Oscar Gonzalez homered twice and drove in five, and the Guardians withstood a late rally by the Twins to hold on to a 7-6 victory to drop Minnesota two and a half games back in the division. Down to two outs remaining in the game, the White Sox scored five runs in the ninth inning, four with two outs to overtake the pitiful Athletics 5-3 and keep pace in the AL Central. Eloy Jimenez homered in the victory. Jess McCormick homered and drove in three to back Lance McCullers, seven innings of two-run ball, and an Astros 4-3 victory over the Angels. Mike Trout hit his 33rd homer in the loss. I feel like we say that a lot. Mike Trout homered in the loss. Eric Haas homered twice and drove in three, and, t- and Yammer Candelario hit a, hit, added a home run and three RBIs of his own in the in Tigers 10-2 shelling of the Royals. I had so many typos in that one. How did I miss that? <laughs> JT Realmuto collected three hits and two ribeye stakes, including a 16th home run as the Phillies handled business against the Nationals 5-3. Garrett Cooper homered amongst his three hits, driving in two in the process to lead the Marlins to victory over the suddenly reeling Mets 6-3. Pete Alonso Alonso homered in the loss. Nico Horner and Jan Gomes each hit two-run homers to provide all the scoring for the Cubs in a 4-3 win over the Giants. Carlos Rodon was the hard-luck loser, striking out 11 in five and a third innings of two-run ball. 
O'Neill Cruz doubled, tripled, and drove in three to pace an eight-run outburst from the Pirates, who took down the first place Cardinals 8-2. to In a crazy game that saw the D-backs answer a five-run third inning by the Rockies with a nine-run fourth inning that saw Major League Baseball's longest home run of the season fly four, 504 feet off the bat of C.J. Crone, and it saw Dalton Varsho mash a grand slam. Elias Diaz stole the show with seven RBIs off of four hits and two home runs, the last of which being a walk-off three-run bomb and a wild Rockies 13-10 victory over Arizona. Seven Reds produced multi-hit games, including Jonathan India, who homered and tripled the drive in two in a Cincy 8-2 win over the spiraling Brewers. And finally, Manny Machado went 3-for-3, three three and Trent Grisham hit a three-run homer, but it took a Jake Cronenworth RBI single in the bottom of the 10th to hold down the Dodgers as the Padres walked it off 5-4. And now... Zach will tell us what's on tap for Major League Baseball this Saturday. All right, guys, got a lot of games on the schedule. 1 o'clock at Yankee Stadium. Corey Kluber takes on Jamison Tyon, the Rays, and the Yankees. Giants, they start Logan Webb against the Cubs and Marcus Stroman. 220 at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Again, another game. In the Oakland Coliseum, A's and White Sox, Lance Lynn versus Adrian Martinez. Matt Manning takes the mound for the Tigers against Jonathan, Jonathan Heasley and the Kansas City Royals, 410 at Coffin Stadium. The Red Sox, they'll take on the Baltimore Orioles, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, 505. An interesting start time tonight. Michael Waka and Jordan Lyles as they will go to head to head. Nationals and Phillies, Eric Fetty, Ranger Suarez, the righty versus the lefty, 605 at Citizens Bank Park. Mets in the Marlins, another inner division matchup. Carlos Carrasco versus Pablo Lopez, 6'10 at Lone Depot Park. Blue Jays and Rangers, Kevin Gaussman versus Kohei Arihara, 705 at Globe Life Field. Angels and Astros, Shohei Otani versus Jose Arquiti, really good pitching matchup there, 715 at Minute Maid Park. The Guardians will start Tristan McKenzie, who's been on a really hot streak as of late, against Chris Archer and the Twins, 715 at Target Field. Chase Anderson, he'll start for the Reds, Adrian Hauser for the Brewers as they go head-to-head, 715 at American Family Field. Cardinals and the Padres, or Cardinals and the Pirates, excuse me, Jack Flaherty versus JT Brubaker, 735 at PNC Park. D-backs and the Rockies, they'll start the veteran and Madison Bumgarner against Jose Arena. It's 8-10 at Coors Field. Dodgers and Padres, really good matchup there to watch. Julio Rios and Blake Snell, the two lefties, arguably the aces of their staffs, 8-40 at Petco Park. I guess Blake Snell not so much, but having a really good year. And the final game of the night, we have the Braves and the Mariners. Max Fried is having another excellent year. He's 13-5 against George Kirby, the rookie. 9-10 at T-Mobile Park. That's the Braves and the Mariners. It sounded like you said Koji Uehara was going up against the Blue Jays so tonight he, for the Rangers. Uh, he has a, a really tough name to pronounce. It's Kohei Arihara. Kohei Arihara. Kohe, that, I believe that's how you say it. Arihara. I sounds mean, about Ko- right. Koji Uehara did pitch for the he, for the yeah. Rangers. He he was part yeah. of the uh, trade that got us uh, Chris Davis. He was, yeah. And, and not the same guy. I, I, I actually don't know who this guy is, but he has a 5-2-9 ERA, so I guess I, I shouldn't. But <laughs> so I guess I should. He's not great, he apparently, sucks. but he's not he, that guy. Sucks. He's not the best. Uh, so anyway, the the payoff pitch uh, around the league was brought to you today by Guilford Hall Brewery. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? It's located in Baltimore uh, Station North. Let me try that again. It's located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood, uh, and it breaks the craft brew mold with the. Gra- oh my god. <laughs> I have never seen this read, and as as host, one, yeah. as host of the show, it's my job to read over new reads and make sure that I get them right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the way this is worded is so weird to me. Let me start over. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore Station, North Neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with the great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. Oh. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. You're going to bring Bruce to Yappy Hour? Yeah, you That's, know what? I might. You might have to. He's not much of a yapper unless he's in the no? street. No? Okay. Yeah, and then he just barks until you let him out. Gotcha. That's not true. He goes in the crate and he stays quiet and then in the morning at about 10, about quarter to seven, he starts barking. You take him out. If you want to go back to sleep, good luck because as soon as you put him back in the crate, he's like, I know you're home and it's time for breakfast. <laughs> Let me the hell out. Anyway, Bruce is awesome. He's the best dog. Good dog. He's a he's a, he's a good freaking dog. Looking forward to meeting him. I I almost dropped an f bomb twice in the intro, and then Stan almost dropped an f bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah, think that, he half true. dropped one, and then I almost said he's a good effing dog. Mm, yeah. uh, I don't know what's going on today. It's just f everything. That's a the cursing kind of day. Anyway, uh, Orioles banter today brought to you by so many reads today. Uh, brought to you by the next Tyus Bowser show, which is Tuesday, September 20th at Skip Jackson Middle River. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. So we'll see you at Skip Jackson Middle River for the Tyus Bowser show on September 20th. The Tyus Bowser show is a, is a partnership of Press Box and Great Eights Memorabilia and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Special and the all-new Ginsu Grill. And if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser Show, you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. Well said. Or Thank you. Orioles banter. We didn't talk too much about it with Stan because defensive metrics are, you know, I'm 38 on Tuesday, and they're a little much for me. Stan's 70. Uh, so this is probably... and. They, they 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 get your head spinning with all the with all the sabermetrics that are out there. But I do want to talk about the Orioles defense because Jorge Mateo, not Jorge Mateo, I'm sorry, Ramon Arias. Let me just read you off some of these uh, defensive numbers. He leads all AL third basemen with 14 defensive runs saved. He's second in ultimate zone rating, UZR, only to Jose Ramirez. But Jose Ramirez only has one defensive run saved. And Arias is tied for first with six outs above average. This is a guy beginning of the year, couldn't make the throw over the first base consistently from mm-hmm. third base, and now he's arguably the best defensive third baseman in the American League. Yeah. Have you noticed this? I I noticed that he was playing a good third base. Ryan Blake, these stats are courtesy of Ryan Blake, by the way. He, okay. he gave these to me when we were doing our um, Give That Fan a podcast the other day. Ryan Blake brought this to my attention, just how damn good he's been. Had you noticed this? I don't know if it's something that sticks out to me that often. Um, I, I think he's one of those guys that is going to make those routine plays over and over. And it, it's almost one of those things where when you do it so often and he makes so many of those routine pl- uh, routine plays, you start to notice it a lot less. I don't think he's as flashy as a guy like Manny Machado. I, I'm not oh, sure absolutely. But he, he's made some stellar plays. He, he has made some stellar plays, but I, I think it's just the consistency of what he's able to do is really what, what has stuck out to me. It's not so much like, wow, that was an incredible play. What a backhand, what a dive, whatever. It's more of just the, the fact that he's been able to do it and make basically as almost 
every play for the most part and, and just keep doing it routinely and keep making it a consistent thing. And I think that's what stood out to me more than, you know, one player or another. But it, it's certainly, we, we doubted it. We, we both, you know, were on the record saying at the beginning of the year, I don't know if Ramona Reyes has the arm strength to play for a third base um, because he had been a second baseman throughout the, mm-hmm. the large part of his minor league and, career with the Cardinals. And it, it's, it's definitely a, a huge change when you move to, from second to third. I watched him uh, on opening day. When they were doing their infield warm-ups uh, while the pitcher was warming up in the first inning, yeah. I watched him bounce two throws yeah. to first base. And then I watched him do it in the first inning on a ground ball. Uh, I was like, his arms, not, he, it, this is a second baseman. He should be playing yeah. second. And it just made my ire towards Odor uh, that much more because <laughs> I, I didn't want him when he, was, when he was signed. And I don't mean to keep bringing him up. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think it's great to see a, a guy make that transition. Yeah. Because it is a different throw. And, and when you get consistent playing time at one position, and that's why that's so important for so many guys, and they always say that, man, I love being in just one spot, because that throw gets kind of calibrated into mm-hmm. your arm. You know that throw. I mean, generally, it's going to be from about the same distance. Not always. I mean, if you're charging a ground ball, whatever. But you're generally making the same throw over and over. And guys, as they go on, and it's obviously September now, we're at the end of the year, he's so calibrated to make that throw, and that's that transition from second to third that, that's been so important for and, him. And the throw are always strong now. They are. They're always strong. They and are. it's funny that Ryan brought brought up his defensive metrics to me mm-hmm. on Thursday when we recorded our most recent episode, or uh, episode 20 of Give That Fan a Podcast. Yeah. Um, it's funny that he brought that up to me because I was at the game on Wednesday night and Lauren and I had really nice seats yeah. um, behind home plate. And in the, fir- in the second inning, there was a scorching ground ball hit into the hole that he made a diving play on yes. and, got, and got the out at second base. And then later in the game, there was a scorching one hopper that came. That it, it, it hit the ground and it was like it, it skipped. Yeah. It was like it hit a rock and went straight at his face. And he got the glove up. Like the, the reaction time was so fast. Right. And I thought, man, he is really good over there. He's really made that transition yeah. well. And it, it's it's been you know I I think one of the more important things for the Orioles going forward is. Being able to have guys who are versatile, yes, but also are pro- you know playing the same position most every night, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to be moving guys around too often. I think Jorge Mateo has really benefited from that at shortstop, and and Ramon at third, and Ramon will play you know every once in a while, play shortstop or second base. It's not too often these days, but I just think having a guy cemented is you know you can write him into the lineup every night as your third baseman. Not only gives him confidence, but it makes you confident as as a manager and as a fan and whoever it is because. You know that guy's making that transition. He's so calibrated to make the plays from third base. Now, over at first base, Ryan Mountcastle is one of, if not the best defensive first baseman yeah. in the American League, which is probably the biggest, the most shocking thing that I've seen out of all out of all of this. He's tied for second yeah. in defensive run saved at first base, and he leads AL first baseman in outs above average and ultimate zone rating. Yeah, this is a guy we didn't have a position. And we were saying, should Trey Mancini be playing first base? They tried to play. He got drafted as a shortstop, moved over to third base, moved over to first base, and then moved off of first base into left field. Right. And now he's a gold glove caliber first baseman. Yeah. How much of this is goes to his athletic ability and how much – I mean – Obviously, you need to have the ability to do these things, but how much of this goes, uh, the credit goes to Tony Mancellino, 
who's their new infield coordinator, who has been working with all these guys. I, I think the biggest thing with Ryan Mountcastle, when he came up originally in 2020, uh, we knew about the power. We knew about, about the bat. That was what he came up for, and that's what mm-hmm. everyone wanted him for. Uh, but when, when he came up, one of the things I noticed was the athleticism. There's a lot of it. And he's a bigger guy. He's certainly not one of the smaller guys on the team. And the way he runs, the way he moves, all surprised me back then. And then you see the way he plays at first base and the physical capability he has to stretch out to the ball. And even, I mean, even on ground ball, He's been excellent with range. He can jump up and grab a few. He's been catching pop-ups pretty much every time. The guy is a really, really good athlete. I think that's mm-hmm. what, what's really underrated about him. Um, and he was a shortstop coming out of high school, so I guess I would expect that. But it, the athleticism is what allows him to make all these plays and allows him to be a, as good as a first baseman as he is. And sure, I mean, the coaching staff has done an incredible job. I mean, I, I think we see it in the pitching. We talk about Chris Holt so often, but it probably flies under the radar with the outfield and infield coaches. How well of it, you know, they've they've trained these guys because the defense has been pretty impeccable this year, especially compared to the, the last five years of Orioles baseball. Yeah, make no mistake about it. The, the wall in left field has helped with the pitching. There's been a number of no doubt. balls It would have been home runs in the no past. Doubt. Maybe the, and the Orioles probably are not as good yeah. if that wall isn't moved back. But the infield defense has been so far and away better this year than it's been since the Orioles were a competitive team. Yeah. Uh, and that has as much to do with the with the pitching turnaround as anything else. The fact that you can have that your defense up the middle with Rutschman behind the plate, yeah. Mateo at short, and Mullins in center, th- th- that gives you exactly what you want. That's that straight up the middle defense, and right. then Ramon at the hot corner, um, and Mountcastle over at first base. You are really staunch defensively. And the good news is there's more of that coming. I mean, mm-hmm. Colton Kowser is an excellent defender, and you look at a lot of guys in the minors because Michael Elias is drafted up the middle. That's kind of one of the things he's, he's prioritized, the shortstops, the second basements, the center fielders. When he drafts outfielders, it's generally not been the guys who you know are unathletic. I mean, look at Dylan Beavers or Judd Fabian. Look at Reed Trimble, John Rhodes. All of these guys are you know basically center fielders. They can all mm-hmm. play center field. So maybe with the exception of Heston Kerstad, but that was because of his bat was, was unreal. Well, but they, but they, they said that he's a good... He's He's a good right fielder. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And and Joey Ortiz is another guy who's an up the middle guy, excellent defender. Who's, defensively, he, he's major league ready. Right, and, and he's drafted so many of these guys that are up the middle defenders that it's it's almost going to be perfect for the Orioles. And the fact that these guys are just going to keep coming, keep filtering in this up the middle defense is going to stay uh, stay productive. So my back has been itching, and I've been trying to find a way to scratch it. So it's got it's got. He's a got a water bottle on his back right it's now. It's got it's got to be the water bottle. Okay. Um. Anyway, so now the next question becomes: What's your defensive lineman in the infield next year? Yeah. Gunner's not playing second base. He might play it in a pinch, but I think that it's been proven that he's not really yeah. a second baseman. Now maybe they say, "Hey, we want you to go and play second base, work on your second base defense all off season." But especially with how good Arias is over there, are you now pl- moving Arias back to second base next year and playing Gunner at third base? Are you trading Arias and bringing up one of those one of those prospects, maybe Joey Ortiz or um, Westberg or any number of those guys? What are you doing defensively? And with your lineup next year regarding the infield? Well, I I think when you look at Arias, it starts to become pretty clear that his value might peak soon because he he right now is the number two. Uh, leader in war on this team, right behind Adley Rutschman. He's now climbed into that number two spot mm-hmm. um, ahead of Jorge Mateo and Cedric Mullins, which are the guys that are three and four. And I think that just goes to show how productive he's been. And Mike Elias might look at you know that this offseason and say, hey, 
is he really going to be a four-war player next year as well? And he might say that might have been the peak of Ramona Reyes' value. Let's trade him now, sell high on him, and get what we can. I think that's a really big possibility for uh, mm-hmm. for Ramona Reyes, and especially because they ha- almost have to open up an infield spot at some point because you just do have so many guys coming up. And, of course, those guys are unproven, whereas Ramon is, and Ramon's cheap, and he's controllable, which teams love. But Gunnar Henderson, probably not a second baseman. He's on the left side of the infield somewhere. So I think they do need to make a make a move to open that up for him. Okay, w- w- with that in mind, you want to look at... Because I, I honestly, I believe that Gunnar Henderson is either a future one or three hitter on this team. Maybe a one his, hitter, okay. May, may, maybe his earliest next year. Because he gets on base so much. See, I, he, I think two or three is perfect fast. for him. I think that Rutschman's going to end up being your two hitter. I think Rutschman almost has to be two. But yeah. three three makes a lot of sense for Gunnar. Three, three makes a lot of sense yeah. for Gunnar. One makes a lot of sense for Gunnar, especially if you don't have... Mullins anymore yeah. if 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 he gets uh, traded. See, I look at Colton Kowser though as a number one kind of guy. I yeah. mean, he, uh, Colton Kowser is going to be right there. Gunner could even be a four. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about to start next year. Okay. Because Kowser is going to spend the bulk of the year next yeah. year in AAA. Uh, it's up to him yeah. to to get here. Um, but he's off to a slow start mm-hmm. at, at Norfolk since he got promoted. Now look, Bowie clearly was no match for him. No. Uh, he gets and, and this is his first full year. Of pro ball, his first full year, and he's already a triple A. So that right. that's impressive in and of itself. I have no doubts that he'll come out next year red hot and make his way to the major leagues before too long. To start the year next year, though, I'm a I'm not sure that Cedric Mullins is still here next year. Right. I um he could be part of a package to bring in somebody, maybe like a Pablo Lopez. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm not sure that Hayes is still here right next year. So I look at this Orioles lineup. And they desperately need a middle-of-the-order bat. Yeah. Desperately. They do. They, they do. desperately do. And I'm not talking... Ryan Mountcastle has a lot of power. He does. And if Ryan Mountcastle is even a league average hitter in July and August, he's probably pushing 30, 35 homers and close to 100 RBIs this year. Yeah. Uh, right now, he's got just about 80 RBIs and 21 homers, and he basically took July and August off. Yeah. Right? But I think he profiles more as a five or a six hitter. Yeah, Santander as a three hitter is fine. He might. It's, Dan Conley is almost certain he's getting traded. But I was certain he was getting traded by the deadline, and he's still here. Right. Switch hitter with power that's going to finish the year at about 260, 30 bombs, hundred ribeyes, hundred ribeyes, hundred ribeyes. <laughs> uh, if he's still here next year, that's a good three hitter. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather see somebody with better on base capabilities and somebody with higher average yeah. capabilities batting third. You look at what's out there on the free agent market, and and Stan mentioned a guy like Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini, I love him. Not going to be back. Even if he, it's not even that he's not going to be back. If you were to bring him back, it makes your team worse. I I, I agree. I think. I agree. I think. I think that we've. Seen peak Trey Mancini. It's run its course. And, and, and as much as we love him, as much as he means to us in the community, yeah. Trey with a shorter left field wall, he's hitting like 200 yeah. for the Astros. You know, the the, the power is not there. Uh, I don't want a guy like that. I want, uh, if, if and Dan said he thinks that Michael Elias isn't just dipping his toe in the deep end. He thinks he's diving head first into the deep end yeah. of the free agent market this year. If you're going to go out and get a starting pitcher, fine. You can never have too much pitching. Maybe maybe starting a starting pitcher is number one priority. Yeah. For me, one A 
is that middle of the order bat. I agree. And I've been talking about Judge, and we've talked about Correa, we've talked about Trey Turner. Xander Bogarts never came to mind for me because I doubt he's, he's not going division. He's not. He, he's not a middle of the order bat. He's he's a two hitter. I would argue Correa isn't either. Right, right. So for me, I want that guy that strikes fear mm-hmm. into an opposing pitcher. Yeah. And who are those guys in the league? Well, you have Otani, you have Trout, yeah. you have Judge, you have Pete Alonso. Um, if Freddie Freeman, I think you can probably put on that sure. list. Uh, Mookie he, Betts. Mookie Betts. They need a guy like that yeah. for the middle of their order. Now, well, I, they, I think they hope that can be Gunnar Henderson. Right, uh, right. But they need, but Gunnar Henderson's not enough. Right. You need Supplement. somebody. That, you, Gunnar Henderson starting next year probably takes a Manny Machado route. Yeah. Right. Where he's a really good defender. He's a really good hitter. The power's not quite there yet, right. and he hits forty to fifty doubles. Yeah. And then in twenty twenty four, he becomes that big thirty homer, thirty steal guy. Yeah. Right. Um, for next year, you ha- I feel like you have to go in the season with a guy who's intimidating. Okay. In the middle of your order. Now, do you think that they're likely to do that through free agency, or would it be more of a of a trade situation? It's one of those things where it's a lot easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting the right guy for the right price is probably going to be really hard because these I, middle I see, of the order see, bats. I I hate right guy, right price. Okay, <laughs> I, I hate that because if that's the way you're operating, and you're not operating the win. In, in, in my opinion, I, I, I guess it's. I guess it's more of a, a saying for football than it is baseball, given the salary cap. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're not Orioles are not going to go for the luxury tax. Let's be completely honest here; they're right. not going to do that. So maybe that's not the right term. However, I do think you know Aaron Judge, of course, would be a great fit. I mean, that would be incredible. But I, I give it like a half percent chance, yeah, <laughs> like a like a point five percent chance, um, point zero five, I should say. Not like anyway. Point is is Aaron Judge probably not going to be an Oriole. And there are a lot of guys that are, are going to be really tough to get. And the Orioles are unfortunately in a situation where I think they'll be outbid for a lot of the guys they try to go for. But even like a Kyle Schwarber would be fine and better, or Nick Castellanos or someone like that. I know they're with the Phillies. It's not going to happen. But the right. point is, someone like that, getting a true number one superstar is really, really hard. And mm-hmm. they'd probably have to trade for it. Because I don't really think there's a guy in free agency that really fits the bill. Um, besides, of course, Aaron Judge. Which there, is, there's is plenty. Gonna... Trey Turner is a guy who... Tra- who yeah, in middle of the order bat, though? Well, Trey Turner... If you're not getting the middle of the order bat, Trey Turner is a guy that's still going to hit over 300. He's going to hit over 20 homers. He's going to steal 30 he bases. Will. And he's going to play good defense. So Trey Turner is one of those guys where... Okay, so maybe maybe you bat him second, mm-hmm. and you bat Gunner third, and then Rutschman bats Rutschman fourth. Four. Yeah, right. Yeah. And 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 that's how it works out. They need a legitimate bat. I no, I totally agree for, for, the, for the lineup. And and see, that's why. And, and are the Orioles going to be outbid? I don't know that they will be. You have you have to. The, the, we're we're thinking about the Orioles, and mm-hmm. we have no choice but to think of them this way, as the Orioles we've seen from the past. Yeah. Where they haven't made a, 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 a huge financial commitment to a free agent from outside the organization since 2004. Yeah. Uh, and, well, we want, uh, said Thrift with, with, the, with the all-time comment, it feels like we're, we're spending, co- we're, we're operating with Confederate money, right? And then uh, Dan Duquette saying, well, we want to bring in the guys that are, that are the right fit at the right price for us. Yeah. You know, we're probably not going to be in the market for a Shohei Otani. Uh, that was a pretty damn good 
Dan Duquette impression. Uh, anyway. Okay. It wasn't. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. But we are under the assumption that that's just how the Orioles operate now. Yeah. And I don't know that that's the case. I, I, I think that... And this actually can lead us into this art, the the article about the court the court filings, okay. um, where b- between the Angelos family and yeah. all that, where they basically said that Georgia Angelos, uh, uh, Peter Peter's wife, appointed John the CEO and operating manager of the Baltimore Orioles, and yeah. John runs the team where he gives Mike Elias complete autonomy. Yeah, Mike Elias was they made a, the San Francisco Giants made a full court press. On him, and he took the job here because the stipulation was he only answers to John, and he has right. complete autonomy to run the organization the way he sees fit. And we already heard him say we have payroll flexibility. Yeah, it's lift off from here. He's excited about what he's going to be able to do this off season. They've got the they've got such a low payroll, had even after arbitration heading into next year that you can sign Aaron Judge for $35 million a year and you can still sign Carlos Rodon for $24 million a year and still not hit a $100 million payroll. I agree. Um, it, it's That would be an ideal situation if that happened in the offseason. Rodon and, and Judge would be about as, rodeal as, uh, rodeal. About as I, rodeal. ideal as it gets. Um, I, I, I see it as unlikely, but it, it definitely could happen. I, just, right, I but, just think the trade market is probably where you want to be right now. I, I think that's and makes I, and a little I, more sense. I think that that's, that, that, that that's likely. Mm-hmm. I think that that's likely. And I don't mean to mention Judge every week. All right, I know that I mention him a lot on this show. But I think that we are... We need to change our mindset. Yeah. About because everything Mike Elias has said he was going to do, he's done, he right? Has. And he said that when it was time, he was going to add serious talent to the big league roster. And you yeah. look at what they did in Houston, bringing in Verlander, bringing yeah. in Garrett Cole, bringing in Zach Greinke uh, to add, and and maybe that's Michael Brantley, another one. Ma- I mean, Michael, Michael so Brantley, so many guys, right? Yeah. It, you you look at what they did there. What's to say Mike Elias doesn't spend the same kind of money? Here that w- again, that would be and, ideal. And our mindset is we're, we're we are like a, a beaten dog, mm-hmm. where we've been beaten so much that we just expect it. Well, what has Mike Elias done that we ever expected to happen in Baltimore? Everything he's done, we didn't expect. I guess I'm just one of the people that my mindset is always. I I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Right? Like I I, I want to see Michael Elias do it, and then maybe we're talking going into the twenty four season that someone just commented AJ uh, weekly viewer of ours. He just commented Juan Soto in twenty twenty four. If Michael Elias were to go out and spend a ton of money this season, and then I'd have more confidence going into the next off season, I could see something like that happening. You know what you know what I mean? It's more of a he has to prove to me that he's you know putting his money where his mouth is. Yeah. Uh, right. I also okay. He hasn't had the opportunity to prove it, so I guess he hasn't had the opportunity. No, yeah, right, right. So, so I guess what you're saying here is you have to do it for me to believe that you're going to do it. Right. I, I always I, take I, the logical approach to things where I I, I want to see him do it before I actually can say definitively that he is going to do it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. We we don't really have proof one way or the other. If Nobody knows what right. he's going to do this off season, right. but I'd like to believe that if he sees his team as fringe playoff contender this year, mm-hmm. that next year with the pitching staff that you're going to have, yeah. The guys that are coming through the pipeline. I mean, you're going to have two number one prospects on your <laughs> opening day roster, and then Jackson Holiday waiting in the wings and for 24. D- right, and Colton Kowser's coming, and right. like Grayson and John Means coming back, and yeah. you go out and get a, a free agent starting pitcher. Uh, I, I, he has to look at it and say, this bat helps us when it, helps us yeah. potentially get to a World Series. Uh, to me, that's Aaron Judge. 
To, okay. me, to me, that's Aaron Judge. No, right? he, that, it is Aaron Judge. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, among all the guys, you, if you want a true superstar, that's the guy to He's get. He's going to hit 65 home he, runs he, this he year. Is, I, and 35 million, you said earlier, I think that may be a bit light. He, Honestly, I, I think he might get like 45. The, the yeah. way he, He's going to win MVP. I mean, yeah. there's no question. Oh, he's he's by far and away. It's gonna, it should be unanimous. Yeah. It's, uh, Shohei it Otani, nice story. Yeah. But he won that MVP last year. It's Judge this year. Yeah. And it's and it's not. It, it, he's been the Yankees offense the last two right. months. Um. Do you think that he does one of those things, like kind of like what Scherzer did, where it's going to be like a four-year, yes. $164 million dollar deal? I think it's going to be a short-term, super, super high AAV. Like, he could do $50 million. He could do three years, $150 million. Mm-hmm. I would not be shocked if that happened. Like, I, th- this is Aaron Judge, and I feel... I don't know if he's a Boris client. He probably is. Probably. But I, I feel that he kind of commands whatever he wants. If you're yeah. the MVP, I mean, the way... He's going to hit 65 home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's unreal. Like, the guy is... The guy is an unbelievable talent. He should be able to command whatever he wants. Yeah, he, he really he, should. He's be. gonna get whatever the hell he wants. He, and, and, <laughs> he can and go to someone why, and be like, "I and, want fifty-five, and they'll probably say sure. And he knows that that ain't coming from the Yankees. No, he knows no. that. That's like the the deal that they offered him. He probably was like, huh, "That's watch what I do this year." Right. And the funny thing about that is the breakup has already happened. I think. And yeah. I actually, I actually did a sounding off where I thought I said, "Judge." Wasn't the smartest for turning down that Yankee deal. I said, you've been injured so often. Why are you turning that down? But he stayed healthy all year. So I'm eating my words on that mm-hmm. one because he's been able to actually stay healthy for the first time in a really long time throughout the entire year where there just hasn't been a lot of controversy about that. And that's going to be the biggest thing, I think, for for all these teams it, it, looking at him in free agency. He's 30 years old. Right. And he's had a number of um, injuries mm-hmm. over his career. But when he's healthy... He's the most dangerous hitter in He's the hitting like prime Alex Rodriguez right now. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's unreal. Oh, better. Probably Al- better, Al- yeah. Alex Rodriguez on steroids never sniffed 65 fuck. No, he never he, he never did that. But you you got a uh, you got a little cursing school over here, Paul. Oh, my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I, that one almost fully came out. It's a out. cursing clinic on the back. Funyuns. He never sniffed 65 it, Funyuns home correct. runs. That's correct. Oh, my gosh. That was like the closest I've, I've come yeah, at well, any point on this show. It's okay. Oh man, we see probably. The, I think that the Alex Rodriguez gets me so fired up. Uh, I bet he does. I hate Alex Rodriguez. I can't stand Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez had all the talent in the world to be a generational superstar, and he was a generational superstar who got suspended for a full season for using steroids. So fifty-seven was the most he hit in a year, right? Yeah, right. On steroids, Aaron Judge is just a physical freak. Who's gonna hit sixty-five home runs and yawn while doing it? No. Yeah. Hey, yeah. He's he's the most dangerous hitter in that lineup. They have to pitch to him. He's the most dangerous hitter on the planet. And at he the moment. still is hitting sixty-five home runs this year. Yeah. A Rod can't hold his jock. And if you've seen the the Yankee lineups as of late, he is the only one really there right now. Mm-hmm. The Yankee lineups have been horrible. I mean, they're they're starting guys that I've never heard of at some points, and I'm going, wow, this is this is a, a big fall for the Yankees. Isaiah Kiner Falefa hit one home run like the first 120 games, and he's got like yeah. two home runs the last week in Yankee Stadium, I guess. But still, yeah, still. yeah. How do you only hit three home runs and you play 81 of your games at Yankee Stadium? It's a good question. That's that's, 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 that's a good question. That, that's insane to me. Um, insane. Good, uh, good banter. 
one other thing though, when Alex Rodriguez did hit that 57 home run season, he did not play. I mean, that was with Texas. So he wasn't playing in Yankee stadium. So I guess that's a little more impressive, but he never did that with the Yankees. The most he hit with the Yankees 54. was 50, 54. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's still a lot of, that's still a lot of home runs. It is. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of, home that, runs. that's a lot of home runs. And, but he was, he started, he even admitted he started using steroids in Texas. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's the juice, man. And it, it, what makes me so mad about A-Rod is that he was a scumbag about it. He lied about it, but more so than anything else. He didn't need to do it. No, not at all. He didn't need to do it. Barry Bonds and didn't either. Barry but. Bonds didn't need to do it. Barry Barry Bonds couldn't get couldn't get his. Barry Bonds is the arguably the greatest baseball player of all time, mm-hmm. and his ego wouldn't let got in the way. Wouldn't let Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa steal the limelight, especially when they were using it right. too. So he said, "You want to give them all the attention? Watch what happens when he I said, use Screw it. it. And like, then I'm he goes out and hits seventy three home runs. Anyway. Good banter. Good banter. Uh, today's Orioles banter has been brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now on the cover of both Smoker Profiles, Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more, also inside we introduce you to football players in Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season is now underway. And everything you need to know for betting football this season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Real quick note, they have had a typo in this read since we got it weeks ago. It says Andrews Parth to NFL Stadium, <laughs> to, NFL, to NFL Stadium, not Path, and I have to do it every single time. Anyway, um, Bataround will be back next to close things out with Take the Rake. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sport. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, 
and food and drink specials, we'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. This is the sound of 70,000 Ravens fans cheering a win. And this is the sound of Diane Heil of Annapolis cheering her own Ravens win. Woohoo! Seats for 20 years! Last year, Diane played Maryland Lottery Raven Scratch Offs and won Raven season tickets for 20 years. Look for Raven Scratch Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. You could win up to $100,000 or great Ravens prizes. Take it from Diane. It's surreal and it's exciting and I literally can't wait. Please play responsibly. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around, coming to you live on a beautiful Saturday here in Baltimore. And it's been a good show. It's been a Dan Connolly was fantastic. Stan always. was good as always. Um, really nice Orioles banter segment. And something that we had to push um, because we only had a little bit of time, only had a small window with Dan today, uh, was sounding off with Zach Goodman, uh, which is brought to you by Press Box's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or Listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get excuse me, you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week the guys caught up with Jackson Holiday, Taryn Vavra, Hall of Famer James Lofton, and Jets tight end, Calvert Hall alum Lawrence Cager. Find those interviews and the Tyus Bowser Show with special guest Justin Houston now in the Glenn, in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature right now at pressboxonline. Zach, what do you got for us? So I'm sounding off. Yeah, I've done a lot of segments on it. It's become like a narrative of mine on the show that I love war. And war is the stat that I have always kind of looked at that defines... What what is it good for? Well, it... Ah, it's good. You got it? Yeah, I got it. Um, it's it's a it's a stat that kind of defines a player holistically for me. It, it's one that shows, you know, basically all their flaws and all the things they do well all in one place. And I think it's the defining stat of, you know, 
modern baseball to me. It's the defining set of modern baseball. And it looks like, I've made arguments in the past that I think the arbitration process and even the pre-arbitration process should be more driven by war. Um, And maybe I haven't always made the most sound arguments there because this is about guys getting paid. And maybe I've, I've said some things that are maybe not quite in line with getting the guys the most money possible and all that. And I, I want to support players getting paid as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But war definitely makes it a little more interesting to me. And I, I, I really I really think we should be incorporating war as much as possible into these arbitration processes. So, uh, lo and behold, that is actually what's going to happen. So, according to the ESPN, um, as of a few days ago, baseball's Did new... Did you say according to the ESPN? According to ESPN. Uh, baseball's new pre-arbitration bonus program includes money based on a new version of war. This is a, a version of war that I guess Major League Baseball is putting together, but it's going to be somewhat similar to Fangraphs War and Baseball Reference War and all like the the regular well, ones. Will, will that, this be the official war? I guess it would be, um, but I, I don't know because everyone ca- calculates it just slightly differently. Like if you look at Fangraphs, it's not going to be quite the same as Baseball Reference. So I'm assuming this is going to be the same way, but their their exact parameters of how they calculate it are never probably going to be released. But the way that they they say they're going to do it is there's going to be offensive and de- defensive metri- metrics for position players. And then for pitchers, it's going to be largely based on FIP and runs allowed per nine innings. Um, so the offensive defensive metrics, way too many for me to go and list. That's why I just put mm-hmm. that there. But essentially how this is going to work is it's going to reward players, especially those who are standouts at the beginning of, the beginning of their career, guys that are winning rookie of the year or even winning MVP in the rookie year or second year, guys that are pre-arbitration eligible. Um and the remaining money that isn't distributed through award voting is going to be handed out to the guys that are in the top 100 um, players as far as war goes. So mm-hmm. this is going to be, again, based off their war and not so much baseball reference is, or is fan this, Is this for arbitration eligible players this, this or all is, players? This is pre-arbitration eligible bonus program. Is okay. how this is, so this is for the guys that are pre-arbitration eligible. So the guys who are going to make the league minimum. I, I, uh, but, I believe, but but if you're in the top 100 for war, you get a bump. I believe that's how okay. the, how they're saying this is going to work, right? So war is basically driving, essentially, how much these guys are getting paid. Um, and again, you're going to make a lot more if you're winning rookie of the year and you're winning awards, what, whatever it is. You know, even if you win a Cy Young in your second year, however much it is, that's a lot of that reward money is going to go to you. But the guys who finish. Um, in the top 100 of war, also going to get a nice handout of bonus money coming from uh, just finishing there. So I think that's really cool, and I, I think that baseball should really be incorporating some of these you know, metrics in how much guys are getting paid, because I think it's really interesting. And, and I know a lot of the arbitration process is largely based on you know batting average and home runs still, because that's what everyone knows and, and, and kind of goes along with. But we incorporate more, more of war into it and other offensive and defensive metrics. It's going to make it a lot more interesting, especially for fans. Yeah, no, I, I I agree that it'll be interesting to see if ba- if Major League Baseball's WAR mm-hmm. is lower than Fangraphs and Baseball Reference. Yeah, usually Baseball Reference is a little more generous than Fangraphs, from my experience. Like I believe Adley Rutschman is still in the threes as far as mm-hmm. Fangraphs go, but he's like four point six now uh, for Baseball Reference. So it's it it definitely differs a little bit. But their it, exact it, formulas are so confusing. It'll be interesting though to see if Major League Baseball is lower than mm-hmm. both of those, right, right? Because then it's Major League Baseball was staunchly against paying players more money, mm-hmm. right? Uh, sure, I don't blame in, them. <laughs> in, the arbitra- in the pre-arbitration and the arbitration process. Yeah. And now we're going to give you bonus money based on our algorithm to, co- to uh, calculate right. our war. But I still think, though, it, it, you know, winning awards is not really, that's not something they're choosing for the most part. I mean, that's that's picked by the writers, obviously. So they're, you right, know. But, but, but war is war. 
That's not that's not in the ward. It's even no war. You can't spell award without war. I understand, but that's I'm just saying that's the, the award winning is part of the program as well. And then the top 100 guys are the other guys getting the, the right. this reward money. Well, right. So, the, but I don't know. It's it's very very conspiracy theorist. Okay. Me. I don't actually think that is what they would do, but I can see people raising questions. So you about think it. they're going to you know maybe skew it for some guys they would not want to. I don't think that, I, I, I don't for. think they're going to skew it. I that, think people. Just, are, okay. I, I think people are going sense. to make the argument that they that they do. Got you it. Know, okay, I, I think it, I understand. It, it strikes me as odd that Major League Baseball. I mean, that, that the Players Association, the the Players Union, yeah. would put it in the hands of Major League Baseball's uh, war calculations. No, that is interesting. Uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. Maybe no. we'll hear more about it in the next. Yeah, I, well, I think that's going to be going in effect next year. I believe I, so. I think we'll it, hear what, more about it. What they would have to do is they would have to make it very public and have independent yeah. uh, parties calculate the war for them. And, and that, that might be what of, happens. Instead of it being somebody that's on the Major League Baseball payroll. That's got. That's almost has to be what it is. Right. Yeah. So uh, it'll be very interesting. It, it, war is an incredibly uh, valuable yeah. um, rating for players. So It's my I, narrative on the show. It's the one yeah. thing I always say week to week. Oh, no. When, when, I, when I look at players, I, lo- I look at their war. Absolutely. I, 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 100%. I, it, I look at their war to see how, how valuable yeah. they are. I mean, Ryan Mountcastle, he's a, one, he's a one-win player. Yeah. This year, and he's been so good defensively. His offense has been league average. Yeah, in my opinion, I would um, say it might be even a little worse. Um, one war is certainly nothing to write home about, yeah. but and that's according to Baseball Reference. Yeah. So, all right, very good, Zach. Very good. Now it's time for everybody's favorite take to rake. Uh, last week, Zach took Gunnar Henderson. He went six for twenty-four, a double, three RBIs, three walks, six strikeouts. That's a two fifty, three thirty-three, two ninety-two slash line with a six twenty-five OPS. I took Ryan Mountcastle, six for twenty-seven, okay. two home runs, two doubles, nine RBIs, okay. two walks, six strikeouts, a two twenty-two, two seventy-six, five nineteen slash line with a seven ninety-five okay. OPS. I think we can agree that Mountcastle wins this slightly. Yeah, you know, the, the OPS the, gives it away. The, the, the OPS and the production. Henderson had the better batting average, and he had the better on base percentage. Yeah. But Mountcastle did more with his hits. He had, yeah. uh, of his six hits, four for extra base, two home runs, two doubles, and he drove in nine runs yeah. this week. I think, I think that wins. Yeah, I agree right? that one. Yeah, I think, I think that wins. So with that in mind, um, every time I take Adley Rutschman, he has one of his worst weeks. He's 10 for his last 24 going into last night's ball game. The other issue is going to drop on Gunnar Henderson soon. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it one more time. I'm gonna take Adley Rutschman. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it one more time. I feel like he can't he can't screw me over three times, right? I love this guy. He can't he can't screw me over three times. I mean, maybe he might. All right, who you got? Give me uh Tony Taters. Tony uh, Taters. I'm kind of confident what he's been doing lately. Um, Cedric Mullins would be a good choice this week too. But yeah, give me give me uh Tony. All right, Tony Taters for Zach. I take Adley Rutschman. We will see how that pans out next week i feel i feel weird holding the microphone like this <laughs> do, you, do you think this like looks how looks, does this look it, over it, here it, it looks fine looks normal okay yeah it, look, oh, it, it looks fine good. you look relaxed i'm relaxed all right so it's going to lead us into final thoughts and my final thought is not going to be a popular one. Oh no oh no i have never fully believed that the orioles were going to make the playoffs this year I fully believe that they're a good team and that they're going to sure. th- and that they're going to finish above 500. But it has never 
entered my mind that they were actually going to make the playoffs. Because of the teams in front of them, and because, frankly, the way that the, that the ball club has been managed in what I consider to be key situations. Mm-hmm. They lost 3 or 4 to the Blue Jays. They're not, Stan laid it out. They're not catching Seattle. They're not catching Tampa Bay. The, the Yankees, maybe, but the Yankees would have to continue to fall. And there might just not be enough time left to catch them. So their biggest chance is against the Blue Jays. They've got six games left against Toronto. Who also, in Toronto, does Toronto have five games left against the Rays or nine? I I think it's nine. I I don't know. Toronto plays Tampa Bay quite a bit down the stretch. I don't think that the Orioles, as good as they've been this year, I think they're running out of gas. I agree. And at four and a half games back, the problem is you needed to sweep Oakland. Mm -hmm. You lost to the A's last Sunday in a game that frankly wasn't competitive. And every team in front of you won. Yeah, that was a that, so you lost ground. You lose three or four to Toronto. You barely win that game last night against Boston. You have to sweep Boston. Yeah, you have to sweep DC. You have to sweep Detroit. And I don't think they're going to sweep any of them. Mm-hmm. I don't trust that they're going to win that they're going to win on Sunday ever again this year. They don't win day games. The lineups are part of the problem. Yeah, uh, and the 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 regular lineup isn't hitting. And then you're going to play the guys who. Don't hit in general. On a if the Orioles win today, I feel like they should go for the sweep, especially with Monday being an off day. Yeah. Go for the sweep tomorrow, but no matter what happens, Adley Rutschman's not catching tomorrow because it's a day game after a night game. Right, this kid's twenty four years old. Yeah, let him catch the day game after a night game with a with an off day the next day. I don't have the faith that the Orioles are going to win enough with all the teams in front of them playing as well as they are. The Orioles are very good. They could they, I think they'll end this year with about 85 wins. Yeah. Which is a really good year. Really Especially good year. when you won 52 games last year. This season is a wild success. 85. And yeah. and, and and like Michael Elias said, it's lift off from here. Right. The future is so bright and it's here now. Yeah. Right? And you look at I look at this team like I look at the 2013 um Orioles. Mhm. Played so well all year, but down the stretch, you kind of collapse. And it's yeah. not even that they've collapsed. It's that they're not as good as the teams in front of them. And I, right. and I hate to say that, but they aren't. They're right. not as good as the teams in front of them. It's been a great season. They, I, I think they can they can get to the playoffs. I don't think they will. Yeah. And that's my final thought, is that the Orioles, as good as they are and as great as the story as they've been, they're not quite a playoff team right now. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm with you, and I'll make mine quick because it's it it sort of encapsulates yours a little bit. But I think that fans have to prepare for some of the players they like to be moved, and mm-hmm. that this team we, we say this th- all the time. Th- this team we have now, this team we're looking at right now as Orioles fans, is going to be very different come 2023. I think mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of changes, and some guys that you like right now probably not going to be here, and that's just the way it is. And the fact is, is that the Orioles are probably not going to make the playoffs this year, and the fact is also that they want to make the playoffs next year and that they're going to have to make a push and going to have to add players that are better than the Odors of the world and the Nevins of the world, you know, the Torinos of the world. Once you start adding in these players, 
it's going to take this team from what's an 85-win team now, a good team, to a great team. And it may mean trading Cedric Mullins. It may mean trading Austin Hayes. You know, these guys, there's going to be some change. So yeah. I, I would say just prepare for it. And it's going to make them a better team. It's going to make them a more exciting team to watch in the long run. That's how it works. Uh, change has been pretty prevalent in this rebuild. So it's, you know, just prepare for more of it and know that Michael Elias is not going to stop now. And the, the, the thing is, Getting rid of some of these guys, trading away some of these guys, yeah, it might not even hurt when you see it, because it depends on what they're being traded for. Sure, if it's a great enough return, then sure. Right yeah. now, if you're trading, say you trade Ramona Rios and you get mm-hmm. some prospects for him, yeah. and you're like, I can't believe, it. but then three days later, they go out and they sign Trey Turner, right? Then <laughs> then you're like, then you understand. oh, okay, I yeah. get it. Bear with them. This right. all, God, man, this is. I'm actually more excited for this off season than I am for the end of this. this oh, one hundred percent! Like I'm, I'm so excited for for what's going to happen this off season right. for the Orioles because I'm taking Michael Elias at his word. He said that he's yeah. that he's going to go out there and he's going to spend. I can't wait to see it. It's yeah. going to be so much fun. Me too. Or mind-numbingly insane, <laughs> like like to the point where I want to throw things through the window. That could also be the case. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, before we get out of here. Ravens kick off the season tomorrow. I believe they're six and a half point favorites. Six and a half points, yeah. Against against yep. the New York Jets playing in New York. Yes. I feel like this shouldn't be close. Joe Flacco is starting for the, for the Jets. Yeah. Uh, the Jets made a lot of a lot of uh, nice moves in the draft and in the offseason. Great draft. Oh my gosh. They're not ready to beat the Ravens. No. This ain't the this ain't the Raiders against the Ravens last and year. And this isn't and, even the Zach Wilson Jets. Yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that. Knock on wood, the Ravens are far healthier right now than they were last year. Finally, yeah. Um, I don't expect Dobbins to play. No, he's questionable, but I don't expect him to play. Uh, Stanley's doubtful. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. But I also think that people are so quick to write off the Ravens uh, as not having a contingency plan, mm-hmm. right? The, I I I don't honestly believe that the Ravens made that mistake last year with Ronnie Stanley, and yeah. then they made the same mistake again this well, year. Well, that's why they went out and signed Juwan James. Right. I think that's the number one reason. Well, Juwan, um, Juwan James was signed last year. Right, and that, but that's why they went out and signed him last uh, he, year. He had, also give, never, depth. he had also never played left tackle. I think the reason they signed Juwan James is, well, he played right tackle, though, so it's, right, it's, but, no, it's but, a different, it's a change, for well, sure. Uh, the, the, he likened it to wiping your butt with your opposite He did hand. say, I know, he, he did say that, and it's it's probably true, but it's better than, you know, moving a center to tackle in that situation, yeah. so he's got the he's got the physical capability to play there. It's just now learning that position and, and essentially doing everything backwards from what he did mm-hmm. before. So I, I, but I think they signed him last season because I think they knew someone was going to pick him up soon, and they wanted to just sign him and make sure they got him as the contingency plan. That's what he is. If you listen to some of those people that that talk Monday through Friday in a certain time slot, um, <laughs> they yeah. they think that the Ravens' offensive line isn't good because they have no plan for no backup plan for Ronnie. Listen, Stanley. Patrick McCarry is a very good player. He's a very good player. Very versatile, and, 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 and he's gonna he's gonna be all over the place. Yeah. I mean, you brought in Morgan Moses, who's made 169 yes. starts out of 170 career games yep. at right tackle. Love that guy. Kevin Zeitler didn't allow a sack last year at right, right guard. You got the best maybe the best center of the last 25 years in the draft in Hopefully. Tyler, in, in yeah. Tyler Linderbaum. The best draft prospect, I sure. mean, as yeah, center yeah. in Tyler Linderbaum. Not sure about left guard. I don't Not mind ju- Ben Powers. Yeah, but and then at left tackle, I just we haven't seen Jawan James for me to say anything definitively yeah. about him. So I just come back to there's no way that a team led by John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta mm-hmm. legitimately said 
it's Stanley or bust, yeah. and didn't have didn't make any no contingency way. plan. No there's, there's, I remember when the Orioles, the Orioles, well, when the Ravens had, they brought in Bryant McKinney, mm-hmm. and they had um, Jared Gaither. Yep. And everybody was like, oh, Gaither's going to play left tackle, and um, McKinney is going to play right tackle. And it looked like that all through the preseason. And then when the games started, yeah, switch. McKinney was at left tackle and Gaither was at right tackle. I don't, for, for one second, think that the Ravens don't have a plan in place. I think Lamar Jackson playing for a contract. Stan said he balked up and he's nervous. I'm more excited. I think it makes him stronger, and I think he still yeah. has the elite speed and elusiveness. Lamar Jackson is about to go bananas. I think so too. This year, he's going to so go absolutely bonkers. Yeah. This year, we're going to see, we're going to see a season like we've never seen before. I don't know that he's going to throw for four thousand yards, but he's got two legitimate tight ends he yeah. can throw past to. He's got Rashad Bateman. He's still got he's he's got a, a good running game behind him. This is going to be an incredible year for Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah. Do you have any? What are your expectations for this season? I predict them to throw a lot more. I think they're going to yeah. design a, a better passing offense this year, and they've got the tools to do it. They don't think they do, but they do. I mean, guys like Isaiah Likely, they've got to get that guy involved because he—I I think he's going to be a stud. I'm—I'm mm-hmm. I'm very confident in that. And Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman are really, really good talents. So you—you you get them involved um, more than previous years. I want to see 1,200 yards from Rashad Bateman this year, and, and maybe 1,400 from Mark Andrews. I mean, he obviously he might not get that high, but he was a thousand-yard receiver. I, I think you, I think you can expect so, to see that flipped. May, it could be, it could be, and a lot of touchdowns on both sides. Um, mm. They don't have a strong running game this week. They're, I mean, Kenyon Drake's fine, Mike Davis fine, whatever. I'm not really too excited about those guys. Once you get J.K. and Gus back, all right, then you can start pounding the rock. But I want to see them absolutely destroy the Jets in the air tomorrow. I want to mm-hmm. see what Lamar Jackson did against the Miami Dolphins Week One in 2019 when he threw for what 400 some yards, like three, three like 350 and five touchdowns. So, right, five. He threw five touchdowns. Right, so. I want to see them do that. I think they can attack the Jets. I don't think the Jets are a strong team. They did draft very well, but the Jets are one of those teams, kind of like the Orioles were last year, mm-hmm. where they're right on the brink of of making that jump up, and they're right on the brink of being good again, but I don't think they're there yet. And, uh, you know, guys like Brees Hall, he's a rookie. Guys like Sauce Gardner, he's a rookie. It's going to take some time. And Joe Flacco... He threw the worst pick six I've ever seen in the preseason. So I'm not exactly high on Joe Flacco at this point in his career. He's never beaten the Ravens, obviously, because he's only played them, I think, once outside never. of... He's never he, played he them. hasn't played them at never all. Never played okay. them. I thought they did play the Broncos with him, but I could be wrong. No. Okay. Well, he he's never he's only hasn't beaten two teams in football. One of them is obviously the Ravens. I'm not entirely sure who the other team is, but Flacco, I, it might be a little bit of a revenge game for him, but I don't have any confidence in him being uh, able to lead the Jets to win. So we, do you want to make our picks? Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll let you go first. Uh, give me Ravens 34, Jets 13. Ravens 37, Jets 17. Okay, pretty um, close. Yeah, the, the the I think the Ravens secondary is going to feast on Joe Flacco. I, 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 yeah, I really want to see what this pass rush is going to look like. Though. I do I, think Marcus Peters will be limited, though. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But we will see. Should be an exciting season. I can't wait for it to get started. My birthday's on Tuesday. I know. So it's a it's a celebration for my birthday tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens hopefully will give me a victory. And uh, it is a bat around matchup in the press box fantasy football league. You and I are facing off week one. Oh, are we? Zach Auto drafted his Did- entire team, and he has no idea who's on his team. Oh, and he's, oh, and he's, oh, and he's oh, playing oh, me tomorrow. That league. Okay, I was thinking of the other league. No, 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 okay. no, no. Um, gotcha. No, gotcha. I, I I play the guy who took. I faced the guy who took the Ravens defense in the 
third round. Someone dropped, I, I don't know who it was, but he had Stefan Diggs. I, I'm not sure because I don't know many people in that league, but I got dropped 47 on on Thursday night. Um, I got dropped 48. So I'm 47 down on uh, just by two players. So, the so guy, this the, is going to be rough for me. The guy I faced, he had Josh Allen. Okay. Uh, who yeah. got him 40 points, but then yeah. he had uh, James. He had Allen Robinson, who only got him two points, and he had the kicker Gay. So, the, so the guy I faced had Stephon Diggs, who dropped 39, and then I believe the other kicker. So it was he and, and he had eight. So yeah, it was yeah, um, rough. I'm still projected to win. So I am not. I actually, <laughs> I feel like I finally have solid teams this year. Last okay, year nice. was like the least amount of fun I've ever had playing. Can, can I just say one thing real quick? Laura's team is unreal. Like Laura, Laura's team is absolutely insane. Laura is stupid good at fantasy football. <laughs> she clearly is. Like Laura, Laura has won more fantasy football championships. Laura is my wife. Yeah. Laura's first year ever playing fantasy football, she won her brother's league. <laughs> her her then, team. Then, is- then, then the next year, I think she came in second, but she won yeah. her work league. She won our league last year mm-hmm. against her brother. She and and the year before that, she won her, her brother's league again. She's been playing fantasy football since 2018. Yeah. I'm sorry, since 2017. She has like four or five championships. <laughs> I, I, she is so freaking good at fantasy yeah. football, and it's crazy because she doesn't talk about football that often at mm-hmm. all. But she sure as hell knows what she's doing. Definitely, no, she is clearly. so freaking. It's insane to me. So like, she people ask me for fantasy football advice. I'm like, ask my wife. Yeah, she is so damn good at fantasy football. Yeah. It's, it's insane. All right, that's going to do it for us on the bat around. Thank you so much to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to Dan Connolly for another great segment with us. Thank you to Zach Goodman, and thanks to all of our uh, sponsors. Great show. Go Ravens. Go O's. We'll see you next week. See ya.